exactly how you time to just rest these puppies. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> You're in cats. Talking oh. about dogs. Uh oh. <laughs> just jump on you. <laughs> Podcast host killed today. <laughs> You're like, I had a, I had a real job. Why would you call me podcast host? Because no Small-time one... podcast host killed today a, a revival of cats when he mentioned a dog. Next up... <laughs> I would the... take that. Yeah. I would take that because that would mean... There's your 15 minutes right there. Hey, we would, not, we would be acknowledged, even if it's, you know, at my unfortunate death at Cats the Musical because <laughs> I mentioned a dog... <laughs> Just in passing. So, small time pop uh, podcast. I'm taking it. You're taking it. Small time podcaster was heard saying uh, E2 magical Mr. (laughs) Mustafalis as the bedazzled cat choked him to death. Next up. (laughs) Is asparagus killing you? Find out after this. <laughs> Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no live. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Saga, where our opinions are made up and the points we make do not matter. This week, we are talking about The Eternals, the 2021 hit MCU movie, (laughs) written and directed by Chloe Zhao. Who are we? Well, I'm Dro, deviant DJ, good enough for CG, but not good enough for five minutes of screen time. <laughs> I'm joined by Forkus, famed immortal eternal, known for being the Kmart version of some other company's character. <laughs> Needless to say, spoilers abound in this episode. That's it. That's a, that's the intro that they're getting. There yep. you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh, it. Take it down. Suck it down, audience. <laughs> <clears throat> just kidding i appreciate every last one of you out there also why aren't you telling a friend you know what i think i don't think people listen to the end <laughs> we should be getting our plugs in up to the top maybe yeah uh, tell a friend about the show spread it around okay <laughs> so i'm not going to give away how i feel about this movie actually i want to talk about something briefly first before we even get into it but yeah, shoot. John, as I always ask, are you enjoying a beverage with tonight's uh, recording? Yes, yes, I am. Mm, And what do we have on the menu this evening? It is a hard seltzer, because that was the only thing that I could reach in the uh, refrigerator uh, by uh, Topo Chico. Mm, That's a good one. Tangy lemon lime. Tangy lemon lime to get you through talking about the Eternals. Yep. I don't want to give away my opinion because we have not talked about this. I watched it yesterday for the very first time. Did not see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. But I am drinking straight vodka. <laughs> There's a little bit of lime in there, so a little bit of flavor, but this is a delicious Crater Lake vodka made in our neighbors to the south, Oregon. Thank you very much, Crater uh, Lake Vodka, for not sponsoring this podcast. But, uh, 
yeah so it'll <laughs> so either i mean that's either great uh, like um, i really want to celebrate this film or uh, it's not we'll get into it you'll find out yeah yeah i'm waiting to see because um you know after we had our like book of boba fett slash uh matrix talk I don't know mm-hmm. if I know Force anymore, so I'm waiting to see what you thought about this. It's a good, a good. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping fifty-fifty at this point. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where you, you lie in this. Maybe you saw something in this movie. Um, I saw several things in this movie. I think. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we'll, we'll go. Yeah, but uh, I think, you know, it's funny you brought up Boba Fett. Before we go any further, I'd like to talk a little bit about Boba Fett because it's just on the lips of everybody out there. Everyone's talking about episode three Okay, the delightful surprises therein. First off... Wait, wait. Spoilers again. I mean, we said it earlier, but, like, normally it's like ha-ha spoilers, but these are true spoilers if you don't want to... Uh, hear about Book of Boba Fett, uh, just skip forward like probably 30, 40 minutes. I don't know because <laughs> I don't really know how much I want to talk about Eternals, but we'll find out. I mean, <laughs> you will wait to hear my elusive review of the Eternals. Anyway. Yeah, lots of great content about the Eternals coming your way. Yeah. But uh, but first up, let's talk. Let's just do a little Boba recap. Bobfa? Bob. Bop. Bop. Yes, let's do a Bop recap um and uh let's just talk a little bit about season one episode three um so a lot of people do not like that episode Uh, i think there are a couple great parts about it so i want to talk about the great parts first Mm -hmm. um first off that cool wookie from the comics i love him even though he was in episode two as well Man, he really makes a he has a lot bigger of a role in episode three, and uh, he's kind of great. Black Black Cranston Cranston Brian Cranston. That's it's Brian Cranston the Wookiee. (laughs) It's weird that they. I didn't think that they would do that obvious of a reference, but they must be Breaking Bad fans because Brian Cranston the the Wookiee is 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 great. He's easily one of the best parts. It's like I am the one who knocks or whatever. Yeah. Would you like some crack? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like some space crack? All right. Fair enough. I mean, he had the strength of a space crackhead, I assume. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he looks cool. Anyone who has a pauldron with spikes on it is okay in my book. Yeah, I mean, it's like a real kind of like... It it looks kind of like it was made in the seventies, but mm-hmm. I appreciate that about it. And they made his face really expressive, which is not to say that, like Chewie isn't expressive in his like body language and stuff, but they made this guy look just bad all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it it it's par for the course with his character in the comic. From the yeah, he's from the. I think he originally was in like the the new Vader run, right? And then yeah, he was in Doctor Afra. Was a he? Lot. I thought he. I thought he premiered, or I thought he was originally shown in Vader and then moved on to Doctor Afra. But you're probably right. Well, well, no, you're probably right. They're they're you know every time I read one of these Vader comics, it's always like a start of a new run. Right. So it's not like any continuation. So yeah, he might have showed up in there. I know he originally teamed up with uh, Bopfa. Um, 
That's my right. quick way of saying Boba Fett um, yeah. <laughs> in the comics. You're, you're saving so much time. Yeah, Bopf. Uh, Bopfa. Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, he showed up in the comics, and he was always cool. It was always good to watch him just, like, uh, kick ass and take names and, you know. All that. So it's always cool. It was cool to see him in the show, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's cool now that we're kind of rehabilitating all these old things uh in in pop culture it's cool to see the rancor get his their day uh a, a cute little nice rancor reminded me of my dog <laughs> oh your dog has blinders on yeah well my dog has weird looking eyes and a uh, a snoot that only an alien could love but uh but definitely kind of <laughs> that sort of puggish look well hey it's cool. Give me a rancor, even though I'm kind of like, eh, could have given them something else. Yeah, they're just like, we got to get this. Is you know what this pit that they've showed several times? They built the set. They need to put something down there. You got to make it worth your 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 you know the money you spent. I guess you're like, eh, <laughs> look, I don't want to say rancor, but rancor. Yeah, we built it. So rancor. Although I guess to your point, it would be cool to see something else down there. Like that's a big enough space, you could do a, another cool giant monster. It would be neat to see that. Although I guess, considering how I felt about that Harryhausen monster that they had in like the first episode, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's good that they were going back to the well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, it's it's to be expected. I'm I'm interested to see kind of where it goes from there. You know, I'm really happy that they faithfully recreated that whole set, though. That's that's pretty awesome. I'd rather it be like just a bunch of Jawas down there, just, <laughs> they just with come like out and like hungry Jawas. Yeah, just you know, Zulga! like like you know those comically apart. large like knives and forks that they've had like <laughs> back in the '80s that would hang on walls and stuff. Like you know, sure, oh man. Yeah. This is a kitchen. You can tell because they have giant cutlery on the walls. That's what I want them (laughs) holding. That's how you know it's a kitchen. You know, like, yeah, and just like, just going for ankles. That's kind of what I want. But yeah, I guess Rancor. And uh, Danny Trejo. Yeah. uh, Always good to see Danny Trejo. I'm a fan of his, uh, like, everything he makes outside of movies as well as the movies and shows he's in. His tacos, his delicious uh, beer. He has an amazing beer that you can't find uh, up here, which is, makes me sad. Yeah, a, a amazing beer, great tacos. Uh, the donuts, I would I'd possibly, you know, murder a Rancor for. That is how good those donuts were. That was a... Those were a treat. Um, yeah, no, so it's always good to see him. And, you know, anything with Robert Rodriguez, we should just assume we'll see the Trejo. <laughs> and and we're better for it, for sure. And yeah. uh, and uh, I like the twins. I think that the CG on it is good. I like that sort of showing the showing Jabba's family that doesn't sound like Truman Capote. What is fun? Um I'm of course referencing the uh, the the Clone Wars cartoons. <laughs> yeah, Zero the Hut. Yeah, Zero the the Clone Wars cartoon movie, I should say. Oh, he's uh, also all in the cartoon, and until he isn't, he's in the first season, right? And then not no, anymore. No, he shows up a couple seasons later oh, because no. they kind of like they kind of go back to the other end of the spectrum of how he was rescued. 
Okay. For some reason, I honestly can't tell you why that's in there. People are clamoring for it. Everyone's like, where's Zero? Well, everyone loves Truman Capote, like, you know. Everyone's talking about him. Everyone. Like, everyone. I mean, you can't go anywhere. I can't go to the corner store without someone going like, Truman Capote. It's a great do, voice. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. Here's or, this white fedora. Do one. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hello. Oh, that's pretty good. Hold on. All right. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. Got it. Exit. Steve. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I love the pause before it. We were all waiting on bated breath for that one, and then what? What did we get in return? Exit. Stage right. Nope. nope. <laughs> Exit stage left. Are you talking about the? Are you talking about the Hanna Barbera character? Well, that's who voiced him, right? Truman Capote voiced. Yeah, it was Snagglepuss for sure. He did. I thought it was just based on his. Did he really do the voice for Snagglepuss? I don't know, but no one else will know. I mean, I assumed. I might have assumed wrong, but yeah, we got. We got uh, uh, two uh, two huts. Uh, one that would wipe himself down with an animal. That was yeah. uh, I love the interesting. fan. I love the other the other twins. Fan is fantastic. So I'm gonna take it. That's probably all you liked about this episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some. I, I like some of the flashback stuff. Uh, mm. I, I think I like the flashback stuff a lot more than the the modern day stuff, only because like the modern day stuff is just kind of. I've heard I heard someone defend it and say no, it's more con- uh, contemplative, contemplative, and and sort of uh, they think of it as more of like a cerebral meditation on something, whereas I'm just like they just kind of feel like they're they have like a small kernel of a story that they're just kind of trying to. To stretch it out. The Tristan whoops almost knocked that bottle of Crater Lake. Uh, not a sponsor of this program on the floor. Um, but uh, yeah, it just seems like they kind of uh, they they have a little bit of peanut butter left in the jar, and they're 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 just scraping it over their peanut butter toast. <laughs> a uh, a reference I'm sure everyone can relate to. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that overall, the I think episode one is oh no batman agrees <laughs> or I wait mean, he doesn't agree <laughs> he's a big boom yeah, and this is bat this is batman through a door a new mic that is not really supposed to pick up any sort of side barks well or whatever you can't and, stop vengeance you know or, or you, you yeah or the night yeah you can't stop the <laughs> night it's always gonna come <laughs> And Batman's always his bark will always shine through, and I think that's that's fine. That makes me feel safe when I'm out there walking at nighttime to know that he is watching over all us all. So here's my hot take. Yeah, go ahead. I don't think it's the worst episode. I don't think it's the best episode. Well, it is in fact a episode. It is um, a episode. That's for sure. I I have a feeling that it will. Here's what my hope for this show. Uh, and, and this is not a hope that is necessarily like I'm not really kind of clinging to this because I'm a little dubious that it will be true, but I hope it will be true. Uh, I think once the series is finished and we have like a sort of a holistic view of the entire episodes, then stuff like this will bug me less because it'll be, I think the whole story will just kind of like, 
it'll the, justify these this this kind of deliberate pace at the start. I I feel like that's there's that there's that possibility, but at the same time, uh, like I don't the stakes are not very interesting to me. Like the what they're kind of setting up as the story just to, has not grabbed me. I'm not sure what. I just don't know what's at stake, and I don't know why I should care about any of this stuff. Like, I don't. They haven't given me really a reason to care about Boba Fett yet, which is weird to say because he's such a cool-looking character. But it's like, I don't know. There's just something. <laughs> maybe like that. That'll be it, right? Is that the the uh, the show will kind of is is meaning to show us him in a different light, and so we can recontextualize all the other appearances of him. But this seems like a very different character than we got, you know. In the, in the original movies. And maybe that's maybe that's true. Maybe when he came out of the Sarlacc, he was reborn as somebody new. But this oh, doesn't you mean really seem like the same Boba Fett who just kind of hangs out in garbage. Hangs out and does nothing? <laughs> so you're finally getting to see Boba Fett do something. So, look. Well, actually, I like, think maybe, that's, maybe you just crystallized it for me. Maybe this is exactly what Boba Fett does, and we're just, and me, I'm putting the wrong expectations on him. Like, you're, kind of you're, nothing is happening, and maybe that's just Boba Fett style. Yeah, he's the Seinfeld of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Literally about nothing. Like, I mean, the dude just happened to be on a bridge. You thought he looks amazing. Darth Vader says some weird shit, which makes you kind of go like, Oh, these two have history, but then he just hides out in trash. He tattles on Han. He gets Darth Vader to do his work for him. And then he just hangs out in Jabba's palace all day. Like mm -hmm. that was it. That was his arc. Dude has done Jack and shit. <laughs> Jack left town. Like he does nothing. So now you're getting something. It's on the tip of my tongue. What's the word character development. I so mean, now you are kinda. learning about a character who doesn't who doesn't have any character because he was just really based on, you know, looking so badass. So yeah, when he gets tossed around in his underwear, you know, out pulled out of a back to tank, which is the one thing I wish they would fucking explain. <laughs> Why exactly? I mean, like your point was like, oh, he just doesn't want to look scarred anymore, which I get, but but like you really need to explain why he is so hurt. He doesn't look hurt. He looks fantastic. He looks like the I mean, healthiest when, guy I've ever seen. When you, especially in the Mandalorian, when he is just mud hole stomping everyone, you're like, oh, this guy's doing pretty good for getting kind of digested. But now he's chilling in like you know like a jacuzzi bath. Yeah, every night, like, and he can't, and then he can't beat a bunch of ninjas. Well, I mean, the, yeah, he couldn't rocket back out of Ninja Fight. But, you know, like, this one, I don't blame him as much. The The fight choreography, look, I'm going to give it, you know, wasn't stellar. And it is. it was directed by Robert Rodriguez, so you should expect, like, a master class of action from this. And it wasn't. And it was weird to have, like, his, the, the Vespa gang. Like, I don't even. I haven't even started on that. Have yeah. John? Have are you a watcher, or have you watched much of Futurama before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I watch it here, there. Okay. Are you aware of the thing on Futurama called the Scooty Puff Junior? Mm mm. No, it's like a little space scooter that uh, the adorable, you know, 
um, Nibbler and his people, the Nibblonians, uh, you know, when, when they when he reveals himself as sort of like a, a secret intelligent guardian, <laughs> and uh, they send uh, Fry into a giant brain to fight the brains, and he the only vehicle they have for him is this thing called the Scooty Pump Junior. <laughs> it's like a tiny, it's like a tiny little uh, like Barbie car uh, scooter for, uh, but you know it can fly through space and it hovers and stuff. It looks exactly. I was trying, it was racking my brain. I'm like, what do these things remind me of? And they are exactly Scooty Puff Jr. Look it up. Look. I, I, I did. I looked it up while you were talking <laughs> about it. I mean, they are pretty close, not going to lie, especially with the little the bobble top dome with the little balls that would bounce around. That's kind of cool. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, think about this, too. Think about this. So, John, it's no secret that you actually have uh, you have a great aesthetic sense. Yes. And uh, and uh, your 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 taste in things, visual things, is refined and good. Um. So, what did you think of this gang? Because we have a well-established uh, sort of visual language, not only for Tatooine but for Star Wars in this period, and that language is patina, where lived in. <laughs> Like these are all things that we associate with uh, Star Wars. So if you were trying to design a, a biker gang, number one, that was uh, a group of, you know, they're hooligan youths yep. that uh, cannot pay, cannot afford to buy water from the watermonger, would yeah. you make them look like the cleanest, most well-dressed group of snotty rich kids that Tatooine has ever seen like they literally looked like somebody that looks like a design that if I saw it in Canto Bite from The Last Jedi I would be like yeah of course of course that exists in Canto Bite it doesn't it, it doesn't belong in this world it is they are so out of place and their clothes are so clean and beautiful and their cybernetics are so plentiful that you're like maybe stop maybe don't get your foot don't get jackhammer foot. Maybe buy water instead. <laughs> Maybe save that money for water. Maybe don't take your lavender coat to the space dry cleaner every five minutes so it doesn't <laughs> look <laughs> so it has not a smudge of grease nor sand on the whole thing. I mean, dude, you're not going to get any disagreements from me about that game. <laughs> like, I mean, look, I appreciate kind of the 80s vibe you know like kind of the 80s 90s. cyber well 90s. no like the, the, no the, like the, the, the haircut okay yeah. Now, i'm not talking haircut. the colors i'm talking like the haircut and the clothing especially of like the lead or who i'm assuming is the leader of the group you know she had like a very eight to me a more 80s inspired haircut kind of like that you know cyberpunk-esque yeah, like a little bit of a punky haircut. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And like a little, like the, her her jean jacket had like some spray painted stuff on it. Yeah, but like, yeah, they felt 100% out of place. And I think that was, that was probably my biggest problem with the episode. Was I was just like, you feel like you don't belong. Why do you have the slowest like hover scooters in the world? Which are like based off of like weird scooter designs from like the fifties and sixties with like a lot oh, yeah. of the side mirrors and stuff. Like it's 
it's kind of inspired in the right place, but I feel like aesthetically how they chose to do it, it, it doesn't mesh up to your point. They're way too clean for the environment. I don't know how you can't afford to buy water when you look like a million credits, you know, in terms of oh, just yeah. like super clean cybernetic, super clean that. Like I hated them from the jump because I thought it was like, oh, look, here's a bunch of Instagram influencers who have somehow <laughs> like landed in the Star Wars universe. And I was just like, all right, Boba, blast away. I can't wait to see you blast all these people. I don't, I mean, I don't really love Steven Root. But I like them more than these guys, so adios, biker gang. You guys, how dare you talk to my boba that way? Oh, wait, they're getting jobs? Okay. <laughs> yep. And then not only they're getting jobs, but they're like, they're getting like really close to his bedroom? Like, oh, yeah, they're just hanging out. They're just hanging like out all right over the place. around the fucking corner. Yeah, like, and the, but then they don't do good. Like this is their moment to show us, hey, this is this is why he he brought them on, and like, wh- what was that dude? Okay, the guy with the cyber eye. Uh, wh- what was his what was his blaster? What was that actually firing? Was that was that like delicious great popsicles or something? Because it was a purple blaster fire. W- was it bubblegum flavor? <laughs> like what? Oh. It didn't seem to hurt. Uh, it didn't seem to hurt Brian Cranston at all. Yeah, I have, I have, no, no, I have, I have, I, I have no defense of this gang, um, whatsoever. Um, and then the chase, I mean, this is, this is old yeah. hat. Everyone's talking about how bad the chase was. People who have worked on it, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, well, I think, I think the, they talk to the actors and they're like, this is out of our control. That was what they had to say. They're just like, I don't know, man. It gets sent to the effects department and then you get what you get on Star Wars today. <laughs> I mean, it had kind of like a Back to the Future car chase, like Biff uh, chasing Marty vibe. But sure, not, I mean, not but fun. like two times slower. If like if, if that scene was just not exciting at all. Yeah, it was no, like the you know the fun. scene in, in uh, Austin Powers where like he's gonna run over that guy with the the little, uh, little fucking tractor, like yeah, the, the, like the roller the, or whatever, right? Yeah, <laughs> or it's the Zamboni like machine, whatever. Like the whatever the 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 God, what is that called? Steamroller? I don't know. Yeah, steamroller. Uh, that sounds good. That sounds sure. correct. <laughs> Feel free to correct us if we're wrong. Whatever it's called, but like. And like the EDC has so much time to move out of the way, but he just does it. That was like that scene where the the people in that rickshaw were just like, "Oh, better get out of here." They had like it felt like they had fully ten minutes to figure out. How to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about a point which could have been badass to watch. I don't know, but fly up. Or just be Chase flying over, him. yeah, the whole time or something. They're yeah, give like, us that. Like, if you're going to give us an overhead kind of shot of, like, them chasing. <laughs> like, you see them, and then we could just see Boba Fett already, like, fly to where he's going to go or something. There were so many scenes that were meant to be so cool with, like, the, the scooters kind of, like, making a small jump or, like, going up a ramp pretty slowly. <laughs> but it's just, like, 
it was like if you had uh if like you if you had somebody who was like afraid to ride a bike and they just figured out how to ride a bike and they were super proud of like a tiny little jump that they figured out how to do and they're like dude check this out look at this sweet jump and they I'm did so it and, and you're just yeah. like you just had you felt bad so you just <laughs> you look great you look so cool yeah that's dope that's good job good good job Oh, it was literally just, we were, it was just laugh. It was nonstop laughter during that scene. And I think that that, I think you're right. I think a lot of the rest of the episode, I mean, we pointed out several things that we love about that episode. So it's not all bad. And it's certainly like, it's not pooping in your cornflakes. You shouldn't feel like mad at it. But man, that that scooter scene was so ill-advised. I can't imagine all the people that had to sign off on that. They're like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Just speed up the film a little more. No one'll notice. It works. Yeah, no. I know a lot I know a lot of people who are just complaining about the uh fight scene in the uh uh in the back to throne room was the oh, big yeah. thing. Like, he looks so weak that like Boba Fett should be a badass. I'm like, I don't know about you, dude, but if some big motherfucker pulls me out of my bed and throws me across the floor while I'm dead ass asleep, I ain't ready for a fight. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that is already That's happened. the problem. Like yeah. if I'm taking a bath and I'm doing one of those things where I'm like, you know, contemplating the existence of everything and I dip my head under the water and I'm just looking up through the burbling water of the bath. Yep. And then a Wookiee comes in. <laughs> grabs me by the throat and shows like throws me across the room i'm dead when i hit the floor <laughs> i don't care if i've hit anything that would make me dead i'm just I'm instant heart attack oh You're my like, god i'm so startled <laughs> why for me yeah you'd leave a brown streak in the water yeah, brian cranston why <laughs> why are you killing me brian cranston stop yeah like i'm like that's the least i mean was it choreographed well now but like i'm gonna give that one the benefit of the doubt i'm just saying like you get caught on you get pulled out of a jacuzzi by the scruff of your neck when you look in the other direction you tell me how prepared you are to fight yeah, but he did pretty well he did pretty well for for the considering the circumstances i think yeah and also the brian cranston's like a gladiator wookie like that's <laughs> yeah. what he does he he has knuckle dusters that are charged with electricity just to bop you in the face. He's ready to get in a, a, a punchy McPunchy fight. That's what he does. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, and I think, uh, like, it almost, he's so big and he's a gladiator. And so to me, I was like, almost like, uh, why didn't he just kill him? Like, he should have just, he just, just picked him up and just like popped his head off. <laughs> you know, just like, goodbye, yeah. Bubba. Yeah, well. Bopfa over, book of Brian Cranston. <laughs> book of Brian. <laughs> it's just a bunch of Wookiee stuff. Oh, and man. give him the Vespa death gang. That's fine. I don't care at that point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, you know? have him turn it into, like, a, a, a bobsled where each of them are, like, pulling him on some sort of chariot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Not every episode's going to be a winner. I think you said it very well earlier and just, I think you're going to need to see the whole picture before you can truly say I'm for it or I'm not for it. 
Yeah, I feel like the catfish people are going to play a bigger part in the show, and they're and we're going to really want to see them get their comeuppance or something. I like already they they were responsible for. We were kind of thinking they're responsible for killing the the Tuscans that was like Boba's second family. So maybe that's maybe that's where our fun comes in. I'm in it for. I'm going to keep tuning in for the the Matt Berry robot, which I uh, I love. And I'm there for Ming Na Wen. So we'll see what happens. Yep, <laughs> we'll see. You want to talk about someone who doesn't have to do anything and still be badass? That's the character. That Finnick character. Yeah, give throw, her more to do. Yeah, I throw a. Uh, a, a blade from the butt of my gun for some reason into a Wookiee's hand. That's all I do. <laughs> that thing we've never, that got so much play that episode. We've never seen this thing before. She's like, get out of the way. She's got a gun. <laughs> it's not a gun. I could shoot your fucking hand. She could literally blast his hand. And guess what? Once his hand's been blasted by that, that me-looking sniper rifle, I'm thinking he's probably not going to have that hand anymore. If it was me, I would definitely just take and not turn it around open it up there's a knife surprise there's a knife inside toss hey i'm for it yeah i'm for I mean, it why it's, not it's why still not? cool it's like the worst of the bayonets i'm still like, gonna watch so i mean like they haven't they haven't lost my my uh viewership but it is it is funny i think uh, to me it's just or I think maybe just to me personally, I have such high expectations because I just love, love, love the Mandalorian, especially where they took that show. Really, I mean, it started off kind of as a fun monster of the week, and then it evolved into this thing that I'm like, oh, okay, this is like really a legitimate part of Star Wars, and I love it, and I want to see more. And so I think I came in with those same expectations for this show, and it's not there yet. But like you said, let's wait. Let's give it the benefit of the doubt let's see where they're taking it these people are smart they're not gonna <laughs> you know smear bantha poodoo on our face i don't think yeah that we know of but yeah. it might be yeah you should just be prepared for the worst so then when it's better than that you're doing all right you're doing all right yeah that's yeah. what i do even mm -hmm. with stuff that i feel like i should have like you know a, a comfortable padding of these folks know what they're doing just like in the Eternals. I feel yep, like I yep. should have that. <laughs> and uh, just like you were saying, you have you prepared me for this movie. You set the expectations. You set them so very low. So I was coming into this being like, okay, it's going to be a real stinker. And then I watched it. And so let's talk about it. Um, so we're going to go. Uh, I think we're going we're gonna to mix things up. I want to go in order. There's a lot to unpack about this movie. Um... And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'd like to go in order, uh, just beat by beat. We're not going to go, you know, moment by moment, but let's cover the big beats of the movie and let's, let's talk about it. It's clear after watching this movie, John, that this was supposed to be the big tentpole sort of mile marker in this next phase of Marvel. Yep. Supposed to usher in the age of the cosmic opera that is the marvel universe universe universe, universe. Yep. <laughs> now before we get started uh john have i think you've you said this on the when i previously asked you for your uh, your impressions of uh, the eternals you had talked about how 
That's my impression. <laughs> sorry. Cheap joke. Cheap joke. Sorry. You, uh, you talked about how you, you're not a big fan of the comics. And I, I want to say before we get started that I am also not... I have never read a single Eternals comic. I think I've looked... I think I've flipped through one or maybe got one issue here or there of like yeah. the Neil Gaiman run. Which but, is the better of the eternal run. So I yes. have read that and that one was a fun comic. And we should say yeah. that's what this one is loosely based on. Yeah. There are aspects of it that are shared in this, in this movie, but it's not a direct translation of what happens in that one. Lord, no, because if it was, then I'd have been like, Oh, okay, this is cool. There's like things like Sprite is, uh, and the the motivation of Sprite is is sort of like it was in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some stuff with Icarus that is sort of like it was in the comics, but in general, it, it, it they're distant cousins, I would say. Yeah, like don't even remotely know about each other. Yeah, and uh, so. So I, I have no like I have no previous affection for the Eternals. I like cosmic stuff. I like when studios make big swings. I like that they had they had uh, hired a director who was like kind of an indie darling before mm-hmm. um, before this movie. All that stuff is right up my alley. So even though my expectations were very low, I was expecting to like uh, some of it. But um, <clears throat> I just want to put that out there. I want to put out there that we, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the, I just, I just was never really interested in the comics. So I don't, I don't have that going in. So if you are, uh, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure there's a podcast out there. You can listen to. <laughs> I was listening to, so I was like lo- reading some impressions by, regular folk not critics necessarily and and um there were some people out there who say it's their favorite marvel movie so oh this one this one is this their one's favorite. their favorite one. this very one is their favorite oh. and they okay. basically they i read through their comment i think they might be just trying to be a contrarian because they just pointed out all the stuff that people don't like about it and they're like i like that it's like this i like that it's like that i like (laughs) it's a kind of like very conceited uh argument where it's just like oh well i guess you don't just don't like character development it's all about character development and you didn't like it and it was slow because it was more like a drama and not an action movie like you like and so that was uh, that was their their tone, and I don't think they're winning any fans by being so snotty. But uh, that's just to say there are people out there who like this movie. Sure, sure, there there have to be. They're they're all you know. Everyone likes what they like, and in certain instances, yeah, there has to be people who think that this is the best Marvel movie. Sure, <laughs> and uh, you know what? They tried some stuff in this movie. They yes, tried they some stuff, and you gotta give. You know, they swung for the fences, and sometimes when you swing for the fences, you miss that pitch, and then you're yes. trapped. Especially when you're throwing a basketball to a <laughs> golf club, trying to <laughs> trying to hit a home like, run. Yep, I feel like that's yeah. You're not gonna get there with that kind of setup, but uh, so I think so. The yeah. movie opens with a crawl, and I think 
if it's not a Star Wars movie and the movie opens with a crawl because Star mm-hmm. Wars op- Star Wars doesn't need the crawl really, but the crawl is sort of aesthetically part of Star Wars because that's how George Lucas set it up. When other movies start with a crawl, I am always suspicious because I what that says to me is that the people who made the movie don't believe I'm smart enough to get this information from the content that is in the movie. And boy, howdy, is this crawl worrisome right off the bat. Because they give you so much exposition and information in this crawl to the point where I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, they have to, though, because there's a I, 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 I don't think they you. do. I think no. all this stuff is in the movie. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you why, because okay. and this is. This is just going to give away how I, I... I did not like this movie at all. I'm just going to give it away right here if you're... <laughs> I was worried, because if you would have told me that you like this movie, I was going to go, okay. <laughs> all right. It, that might have, have been entertaining. Up. That might have been entertaining, but... Uh, you you would have been contrarian for contrarian's sake. That would have... Oh. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to pretend... Uh, I can't... I don't know how all my notes here i don't know how i'm going to be able to tease my opinion until the end so i'm just going to go ahead and say it did not like this movie the more i think about it the less i like it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh like i said there we'll talk about some stuff there's some stuff i like sure me that too. are that are in the movie but yeah. overall it was it's such a pretentious like it wants to be so thought provoking and dramatic and it wants to have these like twists that really it wants to be like i don't know have you seen the movie knives out no i haven't i've been told i should yes Um, go watch knives out at your earliest convenience it's a great you like murder mysteries detectives and stuff like that i do yes it it's fantastic watch knives out knives out has is an interesting thing where it has stuff that is revealed that makes you even more interested in the movie this wanted to be that there were so many times where it it revealed it opened revealed stuff to you where you were just like it was just wanted you to be like oh oh my god but for whatever reason i felt like every single thing that it revealed was telegraphed earlier in the movie to the point where you're just like uh okay yeah no i mean that's what i thought was going to happen and well, I'm not saying that I need to be surprised all the time to, mm-hmm. to enjoy a movie, but oof, this one especially seemed like it, it felt like you, it felt like it was talking down to me in a weird way. And maybe that's my insecurity. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, how do I put it? And I'm going to try to put this in the kindest, gentlest way I can. I just didn't care. Yeah. That's right. The- like. That's the thing. It's like, did you care? Like, do you care about any of the characters at any point in this movie? No, I like their DC counterparts better. So <laughs> I like Darkseid, Orion, New Genesis, Big Barda. Give me all those characters. Yeah. This, this rehash of like trying to do it all over for Marvel is just like, I don't care about Icarus. I don't care about Ajax. I don't care about Kingo, Druig. Like, 
any of them. Like maybe the character I like the most because I thought he had a pretty killer like Jack Kirby design is Makari. But like in terms of like feeling the need and love for these characters, the Eternals have never been on my list. So there were no stakes in which would be in this movie that would make me go like, oh man, I really like this. You know, like I really, I'm, I'm really liking this interpretation. So any, anything that was kind of presented, I was just going, oh, okay. Wow. This is kind of long. Like, <laughs> there was a is, point, there was a point during this movie that I paused it to go yep. to the bathroom. God, I wish I could have done that. Um, Full disclosure, I watched this one with my uh, wife. She's like, oh, cool, a movie. That's, that's, that'll be fun. She fell asleep after 10 minutes. She fell asleep. She was snoring through the entire thing. She woke up for the last 45 minutes, and she slept for an hour and a half. So you know- That's a good nap. <laughs> so you know. That's a solid nap. That I is like a that. solid nap. And let's so you know how like this movie is two and a half hours long. And I paused it less than halfway through. And when I paused it, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It is only less than halfway through. I thought for sure the finale was just around the corner. <laughs> nope. Fuck no. This this movie should just be called False Finishes. The movie where you're like, you could have ended this three times already. And I would have been good with either one of those endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's it's it is long, and unlike you, I saw it in the theaters. So you were I, you were I a rented a captive a, audience. Yeah, a captive in all sense of the word. <laughs> I was glad when the uh, you know the teams came out to break down the movie theater walls to to break us free from this pain. I mean, I rented a theater to watch it. This was the first movie. Was it the first movie I think I saw? No, you theaters? saw Shang-Chi first. You did the oh, same yeah, rental. Oh, so that was good. So I was ready, and, and then so I did the hyped. rental again. You're like, oh, yeah. this was such a fun, because Shang-Chi is super fun. It's a fun and, movie. And, like, is, is such a, is such a like, it, it moves along at such a snappy pace. I can imagine coming out of the theater and just being like, all right, what do you got for me next, Marvel? Exactly. That's where I was, and I was like, well, let's get Eternals. I don't care about any of these characters already, but... You haven't done me wrong before. Four, four. four. (laughs) It's Marvel. It's got a powerhouse cast of a bunch of people that I like. So, you know, you're primed to at least give it a chance. Exactly. I'm ready to get this, like, phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe started. And I realize that, you know, Spider-Man notwithstanding or whatever, the Eternals is really the kickoff to that is expanding the universe for a lot longer, right? Guardians showed us there was a bigger universe, but now this is introducing a different concept altogether, right? Cosmic, you know, the power of cosmic in the Marvel universe is huge. It has big implications on who's always involved with those type of shenanigans. So I'm ready to see it. And then I'm also, you know, someone who doesn't watch the trailers. I watched the teaser for this one, you were like, you should watch it. It doesn't show anything. And I watch it. I was like, mm. oh, no, 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 <laughs> I guess. No, no. All right. No, I'm, and I didn't watch anything else. I was like, I can't wait to see like, you know, the Kirby esque designs. I can't wait to see any of that stuff. And then I watched it and I didn't get any of that. And then 
I just lost two and a half hours of my life that I can't get back. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. do we talk to at Marvel about getting reimbursed for the, uh, the moments of our life energy that was expended on watching this that we could never have returned? We, we're, well, we're middle-aged men. We have less in front of us than, uh, than we do behind. And, uh... So, uh, can we have the two and a half hours back, please? Can I have uh, my two and a half hours back, uh, uh, please? Because... Yeah, give me some. <clears throat> so this movie we, opens with a crawl, like we said. It's got, it explains yep. a bunch of stuff and a bunch of... You're just like, okay, all right, this is a lot to digest, but here we are. And uh, we're introduced to the Domo, which is just a triangle. <laughs> It's just yep. somebody took a triangle and extruded it out. It's got a lot of cool. I like the filigrees. I, in general, I like the the expression of cosmic uh, power that it's like these gold threads. I like that. That's mm. that's neat and cool, or it's new and sort of original. Yeah. And I like the sort of rough hewn jade that uh, the domo is made out of. But it is literally just like, <laughs> it's like somebody started drawing an a and they're like maybe it should be an m instead uh never mind it'll just be this weird triangular shape it's a bad ship design and i'm a i love ships i love spaceships this is bad so we get that's uh, that starts off a little weird and we're, we're we are introduced to all the the eternals and like their hospital gowns when they get their armor on they're like hey this is where we are new at we just met each other i guess even though we were just standing in a or sitting in a circle for God knows how long, that's all explained later, obviously. But it's a very weird way to start off the movie. But up, we get the the classic superhero scene where in a team up where you have to have an opening scene where everyone is able to do their thing. This is sort of the similar in the second Avengers movie, the Age of Ultron uh, film, where it's like you need a, a sequence where. The heroes are fighting bad guys, and everyone gets a chance to show off their powers. So you can sort of set the table on what everyone's powers are, yep. and and that's what we get at the beginning of the the Eternals. They they're in their spaceship. They come to Earth during the you know five thousand BC or whatever uh, in Mesopotamia, and uh, the deviants have already arrived, and we need we sh- we need to show all the people doing their stuff. So we get. Icarus doing his flying around and his Superman stuff. Just exactly Superman. We get Icarus doing exactly Superman. And uh, everyone else doing their shit. We got uh, Kingo. He's got finger guns. <laughs> yep. And uh, he got finger guns and um, Kamehameha's. Or uh, uh, Shoyukins. Whatever whichever you prefer. Uh, the Hadoukens. Hadouken. Sorry, yeah, yeah, of course. Hadoukens. The Shoryuken is an uppercut. Hadouken. He doesn't do any uppercuts. He's only yeah, doing he, fireballs. Hadouken! That's yep. all he's doing. <laughs> That's all Hadouken! <laughs> yep. And uh, we get Gilgamesh, and he's got uh, he's got uh, cosmic powered boxing gloves, and he can and he's he's real strong, and he can punch people. We get mm-hmm. Thena, not Athena. Athena, you drop the A, and that's Angelina Jolie's character, and she's she's doing all sorts of really cool wire foo stuff and uh, slicing people with a pole arm. And uh, we got uh, Sprite; she does uh, illusions, and um, we got uh, 
We got uh, Festus, who does makes machines. <laughs> it's like the is it is it is it yeah is it Festus? I always never knew. I always called him Phase Toe, and that's probably not correct. Well, I know he's played by. Go ahead. No, I know he's played by Brian Tyree Henry, but like, how do you say it again? I just want to make sure I get it. I right. think it's Fastus. Fastus, sure, Fastos. I'll take it. Because it's it's like it's like Hephaestus, but it's Fastos. It's it P H A S T O S. Oh, I was just calling like I said, Phase Toes. Because yeah, that's... sure, he's Phase Toes. <laughs> that's his power. He can yep. dip his toes in a nice warm bath, and they phase away. Phase Toes. Yeah, yeah right. I like it. Uh, Druig. Did you yes. mention Druig? Druig, <laughs> of course. He can. Uh, he mind controls people. Yep. And uh, uh, Makari, who is the Flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, one thing I'm going to say right off the bat, DC could take some notes from this movie. 100%. The, I, I said that from the rip. Yep. Yeah. The, their, Makari is the best Flash I've ever seen. Yeah, and I, I'd argue that Icarus is a pretty good Superman. Yeah, I I think just in like the few fight scenes that they have, they the way that they did like the team up uh, with the different people with powers like is is better than we've seen in DC movies, which I think is a shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Be- agree with you. Because if we got these fight scenes in a DC movie with the characters from, I'm not gonna say the Zack Snyder DC films, but maybe other DC films. I mean, we could have an amazing Avengers movie. Uh, as it stands right now, is like seeing the dollar store Avengers do, or the dollar store, uh, sorry, the do- dollar store Justice League. I mean, Justice League movie. Sorry, the the dollar store Justice League doing uh, stuff that we wish we saw the Justice League do, but uh, except there's no Batman, right? I was actually trying to figure that out. There's is there any Eternal that is an analog for Batman? No, no, maybe uh. Maybe Ajax, because she's got, like, diplomacy. Yeah, she's got healing and <laughs> diplomacy. Not much for fighting, as we find out later. Oh, Lord, no. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I was expecting a lot more Selma Hayek nope. in this movie. <laughs> no. And you, 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 now you, you know don't number... Get it. Yeah, you know number fucking reason number two I was pissed about this movie. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, man? I it's Selma fucking Hayek. I was sold on a lot of Selma Hayek leading a super team, and I did not get that. Yeah, they lied. <laughs> they they lied. lied. Um, and of course, uh, the sequence ends with uh, Cersei demonstrating her power, which is to, to turn uh, one of the kids' dumb knives into a super sweet Bronze Age knife. Uh, this is the point. This is the point where my, I think my wife totally checked out of the movie because she's just like, "What? Why? What? <laughs> like, what is the significance of giving someone a slightly better knife?" He's <laughs> like, "Here, I'll take your obsidian knife, and now it's a Bronze Age knife, huh?" Now, I told her at the time, and I this is I think what the movie is trying to say too is that this is saying, "Hey, the Eternals are here." They literally ushered in the Bronze Age for Stone Age uh, humanoids. Okay, cool. But I can I get it. Why anybody else watching this would be like, why? <laughs> what are they trying to say here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you weren't 
I guess trying to look for the the, the fake deepness there. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it's oh, like man, this is I'll deep. take your your rough your kind of this knife is cool. Look, this knife works. Obviously, you've been using yeah, it for it a long time. Mm-hmm. It can cut. That's great, yeah. but it looks like trash. Now here is a slightly cooler knife, and he takes it. He's like, "Well, we're adv- advanced. We've advanced as a race." Well, I mean, how do you know how to advance to that point? Yeah, right? like how do you go? Like, what's the what's the main metal on here that would be the next obvious choice to upgrade from obsidian, bronze? What if at some point they're like, "Here you go, kid. Here's a titanium Bowie knife." Go out and smite all your enemies. They definitely had something like that later that we'll get to. But, um, uh, yeah, that, that part is, you know, whatever. But it serves as our tra- transition to the the present, which is establishes this movie's sort of parallel storytelling because we're going to get stuff in the past and we're going to get stuff in uh, the far future, and we're just going to get that for the entire movie, and the stuff in the past is going to range wildly. It's going to, like, jump time periods like crazy, and then eventually, towards the end of the movie, the timelines will converge, which is an interesting... Like, I can see on paper, if you're writing the script, this is an interesting Mm -hmm. idea, right? Because you're like... You are saying that, yes... This movie is going to sort of take place in ancient Earth and modern Earth. And then the ancient storyline is going to be super accelerated to the point where at the very end of the movie, the flashbacks are going to be like a few weeks ago and not instead of like a long time. That's, I think that's interesting as a concept. But you can start understanding character motivations and what like the eternals are and all that good stuff yeah and i think yeah. this this was an interest this is a funny part of the movie like the having her take a, a picture of the dagger that she just created and gave to that kid in the previous scene and then like her instagramming it like choosing a different filter after taking a picture and like instagramming that's that's funny it's a way of showing her the how cersei has integrated into the modern age i thought i laughed at that part i thought it was funny and of course uh but she's late she's got a class to teach and her boyfriend uh dane whitman is that what this dane uh whitman is uh he's stalling he's talking about poetry but she's in there she's gonna she her uh her real anthropologic anthropologic or history lesson is is uh being delayed and uh, so she finally gets in there. They have a real kind of meet cute moment, and then a big old earthquake strikes, and she uses her powers in front of everyone like she does always through this movie. She's not even trying to hide it. Yeah, you know, like probably five thousand plus years of not doing that. Yep, <laughs> now I'm doing it all the time. There's a big. She's she's kind of irresponsibly hung a giant. Uh, fossil on the wall, which I guess, at, you know, to begin with, maybe don't do that. And a kid is hiding right under it, which I, I don't really get. And uh, it's about to fall on her, and she turns the fossil to to sand. And no one asks about that at all. No one was recording it with their cellular telephone. There's a kid. I mean, I know there's an earthquake going They're, on, and the kids are all scared, and that's the reason why we are supposed to believe that that no one sees or does this. But like, come on. 
Everyone knows. I mean, that has to be the talk of the class. Have you yeah, been he's... into Miss Cersei's class? There's a giant troglodyte up on the wall. Mm-hmm. That looks really cool. What happened to it? Oh, it turned into a giant pile of sand. Yep. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. When she turned it into a giant pile of sand. It must have always been sand. She touched it. It turned into sand. It must have been so fragile. I, I wish he would have just let it fall on me. <laughs> just turned to sand. I mean, maybe she should have. That should have been like, then we could have seen that growth. But obviously Cersei, out of all the Eternals, cares for humanity the most. I, um, I mean, Ajax does, right? And that's... Yeah, but that it seemed like that took like a bunch of planets... <laughs> you know of what they w- would do before before she's like you know what we'll get there. this is wrong we'll get there that part is okay i don't want to talk about that part yet but that part is fucking ridiculous but we'll get there um and uh yes yeah, so there's an earthquake everyone's like woo earthquake that's crazy this is uh, this is foggy old london town and uh i think then after that we get a little scene of um we get a little scene of uh uh, uh, Dane, uh, Cersei, and Sprite. Uh, Sprite? Is that her name? Yep. Uh, oh, God. I was like, is, am I thinking just about the soda? <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, Fresca. Sprite. Yeah, her and Fresca and uh, Sears. Sears, Dane, and Dane Cook and Fresca are walking uh, <laughs> along the, the Thames or whatever, and they're attacked by a brand new... Uh, brand new deviant because the deviants are all supposed to be dead, but a brand new one shows up and they're real, real tough and they can heal themselves. And it's only through the uh, intervention of Icarus are they saved. He flies down, does a bunch of Superman crap. Yep. And you go, that's cool. He's <laughs> kind of like Superman. I guess um, it's some cool action sequences, and the, and I I like the part where Cersei turns a bus to rose petals. I thought that was well done from an like a visual effects standpoint. I should say off the right off the bat, the cinematography on this movie is really good. It is beautiful. The movie itself is beautiful. It made me want to like it more than I did. Yeah, I mean there are some parts where I kind of have those, uh, you know, like uncomfortable. Like, you know, like, oh, can I make it upstairs before I fart type of moments where it's like, you're just on the scene a little too long for me. But visually, it is a pretty striking film. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this. they're just they're to your point. I think that they are sort of there's long lingering scenes that are, are meant to convey the gravitas of what we're seeing. But because of it, the content, it doesn't really work. I felt like you could have saved me five minutes if you would have trimmed those. You know what I mean? Of just these long lingering shots. Sure, yeah. <laughs> mm. So yeah, solid, solid five. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least a solid five. So I think after that, like everyone gets together and they decide, hey, we got to go find Ajax. And then we kind of we have a flashback to Babylon, and we we find out that the uh, the Eternals created Babylon. We we get the we get the sort of plot point that they're not allowed to interfere when humans are fighting, but as far as like anything else, interfere away. 
no need to hide yourself. You could build a big city that is crazy advanced for the time period. You can share technology. You can make sure that these the 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 humanity or whoever the planet whoever's on the planet you know advances in a way that is beneficial uh, to this overall secret plan we're not aware of. But uh, but in terms like when it comes to fighting, don't do anything. Let them fight. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense for their overall mission, maybe? It makes sense. They want us to believe that it makes sense. But here is the fatal flaw in that that plan. Because they say, hey, the reason why they need to be allowed to fight is because wars create technological innovation, and they actually lead to people living longer, which is important for this overall plan, we find out later. But at the same time, the Eternals are responsible for almost every big technological jump. So if you're just, I mean, if you just kind of pull back and you say, okay, what, what's their goal? Their goal is that they need more people to be more healthy so they have more babies so that they get to a certain population density at some point. And then they're like, oh, we have to have war because it helps us along. But then they also, the Eternals also entered, you know, uh, Festus was going to make, uh, was going to introduce the internal combustion engine or the steam engine way before it was time. And instead he introduced the plow and that revolutionized everything. So it's like they, li- the Eternals could have liver- literally just bestowed upon them the, the, the technological advances that war would have uh, created anyway. So the fact that it, they needed war to do this makes no sense. It just doesn't doesn't make sense for the what the celestials want and it doesn't make sense for what the like the ultimate like goal of of uh of this entire mission of the Eternals was. So already like you've established that they could have mitigated this and it would have been fine. And so I I mean I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Doesn't that sound nonsensical now? I mean, a little bit. I mean, the whole thing sounds pretty. Um, what's the word? Uh, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess at the point you, I mean, hey, I guess you're right in terms of it. Just because that was the a only reason, them. right? Well, like, I mean, it had to be also population mass. Right, right but, but they I don't want. You, they don't want less population. They want more. They want more, yeah, so then you would stop them. And that's what, why you would have a character like a druid who yeah. could literally, I guess, mind control everyone. I don't know, like, he definitely he says, seems, he, sa- he hints at one point that that's possible. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, he could have just said, oh, no, they're fighting. Let me stop that. Because he was very interested in them not fighting. So he seemed to be more of a uh, trying to keep. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, they could make a lot of sense. Yeah, they could have introduced like life saving and life prolonging technologies, just like the that they said that the war contributes to. Uh, Do happy people have more babies when they're like uh, they have nothing to worry about? Probably. I don't know. The, the reasoning seems incredibly tenuous, and it, it it's even more tenuous to to when you find out that they have been doing this over and over and over again for a million years. Um, 
but uh yeah <laughs> oh, i think you're right i'm really thinking about it i'm just going yeah you're right it, 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 it is kind case. of yeah i think it's kind of uh backwards everything they're doing is kind of backwards yeah and i mean i this is the this is the conclusion that cersei comes to eventually is the same conclusion that we're coming to now and this is the conclusion that icarus spoiler alert is uh is vehemently against that's another thing i the problem i had about this movie is because it is it feels too much like born of this moment in history because what ends up sort of splitting up the eternals is an ideological difference like some people believe in uh the celestial that created them and other people don't and the people who believe in the celestial that created them are sort of traditionalist and the people who want who believe there's a better way are like progressive and there is this weird it's very much like speaking to a tension that exists in real life earth in a way that is like not timeless maybe it is like maybe that is a timeless struggle that we can reference but it felt very mm. much born of like the way that the polarization that the current that we feel in in the you know in the in the current environment in a way that sort of made me think about what is happening right now in a way that I don't want from a Marvel movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I want escapism from you, Marvel, and uh, sort of making me think about stuff that is happening right now is not is not what I asked for. But um, I mean, that's kind of the yeah. I mean, that's what you get with Marvel in general, though. It's usually a level of social commentary that isn't you know ignored it's usually explored within that space they've definitely done it in the comics numerous times so that's true I mean, we, but i would say that they do it less in the mcu probably than they did in the comics what would you say about that yeah that's fair i mean with the exception of uh safer bets right like i would say in in terms of uh, making your money and then some like with Falcon and the winter soldier, I believe they touched on a lot of social commentary that you normally wouldn't have gotten and say, you know, civil war or whatever, you know, the next captain America movie would be like, that's, a good I'd be point. interested to kind of see how that changes from their TV shows, which can kind of be buried and forgotten versus their movies that kind of, you know, yeah, that's live a good on their point. pedestals. So I wonder but Captain America, I mean, for whatever reason, Captain America's like the the Captain America and the Winter Soldier, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or whatever you want to call that show, uh, didn't like its social commentary seemed sort of t- unfortunately timeless in a way that this one was just like this is how it is right fucking now. Yeah, yeah, like I mean. I don't know. People look for that polarization. Like, yeah. To your point, Falcon, the winter soldier, that shit people have been dealing with for as long as this country has been a country and beyond. Right. So like, unfortunately those things haven't changed. We're trying to move forward, but at least they acknowledge them. And this one is just like these, you know, it's more about, I think societal thinking as an, as a whole, 
and you know kind of where you land on that you know the side of it whether you're choosing to think one way or the you know another way you're being more dogmatic about how things have been versus how things should be or however you want to phrase it and i think to your point yeah this movie really tries to hit you with that my whole thing was to your point i don't care i'm not <laughs> i'm not here for that right like i i just want to have i just want to come in see some super people punch some super villains and then like you know leave and go you know that's pretty good my favorite part was when he punched that dude dude was like oh i got punched that was a lot of fun you know or you know the feeling you got when you leave when you know like when i left no way home that was a fun movie it had everything ups and downs and sideways and all this it was a good time because it was just leaving out the whole part of the world that I'm walking through at that moment. Yeah, and, and especially when I have, than, yeah. yeah, especially when I have heroes who I have no identity with, nor like care about. So like, they can't even be like heroes that I would want to shepherd me through this. Because like, if it was like Superman versus, you know, someone else, I'd be like, okay, well, I think Superman's right, and I trust Superman. I'm like, who the fuck are you, Cersei? Who are you? <laughs> like, I mean, you're making sense, but like, I I don't know if I can trust you, Ajax. Yeah. Who are you? You know, like, how you, come it you took clean you like tubs? Great. Yeah. How how come it took you like 12 million years or however long it took for you to finally figure out what you were doing was maybe kind of you know messed up. That's the thing. Is that one of the big twists that is like in the middle of this movie is that we discover that the Eternals are here not to protect humanity from the deviants as they have been saying, but instead Earth is just a celestial egg and their uh, role has been in on Earth as it has been in millions of planets before to make sure that the celestial hatches and then, then the celestial goes on and makes more planets. I guess is the is the sort of crux of it. And I say that now because in the Babylon scene, they give that away. It's supposed to be this big twist that is supposed to be this <gasps> huge shocking moment. But the way that the because I don't I didn't know any of the plot when I came into this movie. But when Selma Hayek is talking to um, Arshem, Arshem. Arishem, the uh, the celestial that created the eternal spoiler alert. Uh, she is just like, oh, okay. I don't know. These this seems these guys seem special. Earth seems special. And Arishem is just like, don't get attached. You know what's happening. And in that moment, I was like, oh yeah. I mean, they're gonna like devour the Earth somehow. It's gonna be some galactic shit where they need like. They need the Earth destroyed for whatever their means are. And maybe that wasn't, like, clear to everyone when they saw it. But to me, that was just like, okay, now I know the the uh, I know the big twist. So when it happened, I was like, yeah, of course. Like, they you, you hinted at it so heavy-handedly in these flashbacks. Why am I surprised? Or am I meant well, to be I, surprised? Well, I mean, you don't need the Eternals to fight Stilt Man, right? So, like, 
you obviously <laughs> know the Celestials are going to be the bad guys, but it's still like it's just one of these things. Where you're like, uh, all right, I okay, guess. okay. I all mean, right. the deviants are supposed to be the bad guys, but no one. I mean, this is the problem with this movie in general. Nobody gets the space for development that they need. So we don't like. I don't care about the deviants as en- enemies. I mean, this is maybe a a problem with Marvel movies as a whole, but. Like the the bad guys are not very interesting. Yeah, well, no, I mean, the deviants you have to give their space. Like you have, like instead of doing like this time travel where they're like, well, shit, man, we got to get them to present day, and then we'll kind of go, you know, back in time, kind of what they did because they were probably feeling maybe audiences would start to get bored of being this. You have to kind of set up what both sides the fact that they're honestly like both created this you know by the same beings just you know like one side are meant to be antagonists and one side's meant to be protagonists as they're building up society or whatever for a planet for a celestial to houch out of or whatever you should show like truly how terrifying you know these deviants are to kind of understand that not just animosity that, you know, like Icarus and them feel, but like they feel like they're a threat. Like we get like really one deviant. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like one guy and he's a little different because apparently this one can absorb the powers of eternals. It kills, but I don't care. I don't care about it. It just looked like, you know, like random, alien number three i mean yeah like the 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 designs aside because i agree with you that the designs are not super memorable but the the entire because so we'll just kind of skip through this part so they've they find ajax is selma hayek's character ajax they find i feel like it's 15 minutes in the movie they go once they are attacked by the deviant, they say, hey, we have to find Ajax. We have to, she'll know what to do. So they go to her secluded ranch house in wherever, Wyoming or the, wherever the, the heck it is. And uh, she is dead. She's green. She is turned green and, and, and is dead on the ground. And they uh, assume that a, that a deviant is, is the cause. And so... To your point about the deviants and how, uh, like, how kind of thin and two-dimensional of they are, like, when she when they find her and she's dead and everyone is super sad, I'm just like, okay, uh, all right. So the deviant can can suck out stuff from the Eternals now. Uh, now what? What are the stakes? I I'm I'm. At that point, I was very much struggling to feel any emotional attachment to any of the characters because they hadn't let me spend enough time with Ajax. The fact that, like, when they find her dead, I've, like, I, the, she's been in two scenes. Yeah, and didn't really do much. Do you, re- do you remember when you saw the, uh, the original Mission Impossible? Yes. Do you remember, like, Emilio Estevez is in, the, is in that movie? for like 15 minutes at the start. Mm-hmm. 
I felt more when Emilio Estevez was killed by that elevator <laughs> than when they found Ajax in that field and they were so distraught. Like, I don't know what that, I mean, like, what is that? What don't happened? Ask me, don't ask me, because I was in exactly the same boat. I cared as a fan of Salma Hayek going like, wait a minute. You mean I don't get modern day Salma Hayek fighting people? This movie sucks. And that was it for me. So anything after this point, I was really upset. But in terms <laughs> of movie, it's just like, hey, I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> they don't I let don't it sit care. with it enough. Well, I mean, I don't even know if you could have let me sit enough with it. You, that is how, like. I mean, I think you put this death at the, like, three quarters through the movie. You let Selma Hayek and Ajax come along with them. You let them... I mean, obviously, the way the plot is structured, it doesn't make sense if she... She has to die at that moment for how this plot is structured. But if you just give me a little more time, or maybe you spend more time in ancient Earth before you go forward, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But it is uh, it, it, it is a weird situation, and... So, I'm just gonna let's just skip forward. There's there is some fun stuff in the middle with Kingo and his valet that is maybe the heart of the movie. Camille yep, Nanjiani, yep. his performance is one of the highlights uh, I think of this movie, and I think his valet, whose name is escaping me, they refer to him as his valet so much I was unable. It's to Karun. Karun. Okay, so Karun is like one of the best parts he's like the comedic relief of this movie and he is like the heart of this movie <laughs> strangely yep. enough and I uh i think like i love kingo's whole storyline i love him sort of like in inheriting his uh like the he plays his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather you know he like he has this like dynasty of movie stardom that's all him, but to the public, he says, oh, you know, this is many generations of this, of like the same lineage. It's not the same person. And I thought that that was like really interesting from a story perspective. Um, but when they assemble the whole team, and of course, uh, we have to mention, uh, Athena, is sidelined through most of, sorry Athena is sidelined for most of this movie. Angelina Jolie giving a masterclass in trying to save a movie with like one person's amazing acting. Uh but she has like <laughs> she has crazy memory disease which apparently Selma Hayek's character does not get but uh Athena does. Yeah, I think it's it comes from what the resetting like every time they go wreck a world they go scoop up their eternals go to the next world to seed it it's like they wipe their memories but or suppress their memories or something but when you i forget what they call it in the movie but once you get it it's kind of like it's very dune the the name of the disease is ex like it rem yeah i don't remember what it is immediately i thought of uh dune but it's like you have too many memories, like you remember too many regenerations and the memories are surfacing and those memories drive you crazy. She gets 
milky white eyes and tries to kill everybody every time that this sort of takes control of her. So she and Gilgamesh have to like go into isolation and just be there because she yeah. might kill everybody. Yeah. I will say I do like this relationship too. I like Gilgamesh. I like Thena. Yeah. I want I a like whole fact- Gilgamesh and Thena movie. Yeah. I like that. The fact that he is like, no, I'll go with her. I'll deal with it. You know, she can probably kill all of us. That's how badass she is. So I'll, I'll go deal with it. No problem. And I'll learn to cook. Yeah. And I thought that their their relationship was fantastic. I thought uh, it was it was nice to see just a caring, supportive, nurturing relationship that had no sexual component to it. I th- that's like something you rarely see in movies, and I thought that that was good and fun. I, that was like Gilgamesh and Thena are like my one of or two of my favorite characters in the movie because they're just way more interesting than pretty much everyone else in all the shit that they're doing <laughs> yeah like when i um th- this this doesn't really spoil anything because i don't care when i left the movie right normally i always gauge a movie on by whether i'll buy toys for it or not mm-hmm. like is it it does it der- deserve a space i was like mm, well i want thena and i want gilgamesh and then when i saw that for me to get gilgamesh i'd have to buy the rest of the eternals i was like uh, well, Athena, it is. That's fine. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying all of those. I don't want none of I don't. I was like, I don't want none, n- no other characters from this movie. Just, just, just these two. And they knew it, too, because they made him a Build-A-Figure. They're like, everyone's going to want this guy. I was like, you mother. You mother. Anyway, that's, that's how much I like this relationship in the movie. For real. I mean, like, and... It is weird that they have Thena be affected by this, but uh, Ajax not, because Ajax literally says several times in the movie that she has memory of, of all these millions of things that have happened. And, you know, she can compare Earth to the other societies that they have, you know, nurtured and then abandoned once the Celestial was, was uh, ready to hatch. Let's just... Can we just talk about for a second the whole... Like, this was so hard. The The more I think about it, the more I don't understand what this is about. Shoot. The whole... So, they sent out celestial seeds that have implanted themselves in all these planets, and they go down to the core, and then they grow, basically. And they turn a planet into a celestial egg, basically. For in order for the celestial egg to hatch, the population has to get to a certain amount, and then once there's enough like human life force or you know whatever whatever sentient species on the planet, once there's enough life force, then the celestial hatches because it's this energy that it's feeding off of, and mm-hmm. it then it destroys the planet it it hatches out of, and then Correct. it goes on to create a sun and the sun creates more planets and the cycle continues right because their whole the the whole pro erisham camp is saying hey if you don't if you if you stop this process then this will be stopping they say billions of planets like this being made 
But Ereshem says very clearly that it's energy transference. So are they saying are they saying people have like sentient humanoids have so much energy that they create a billion suns? Like isn't it just one to one? Aren't you trading a billion lives for a billion lives? Like what hey, what is well, see, the the energy currency that we're exchanging here? Well, see, so here's the thing, right? You're trying to make sense out of something that don't make no sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. Like, it, no. <laughs> the, well these said. beings are made from the, 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 the cosmic, like, building blocks of life. They could literally create life anyway that is what they do at what point why would they need to even be hatched in a planet versus just being well that's the thing that they they're trying to base it on real life physics they're saying like you know because in physics they're saying energy can can uh neither be created nor destroyed it just exists and it has to like transfer energy transfers from one thing to the other but you can't create it right sure so except in their case right so what they're trying to say is like that the the energy of the planet births this energy creator which is a celestial they in turn create this energy from the die the dead planet that then creates more stuff but like it just didn't like to me it was just like aren't you just sacrificing earth for a new planet and at that point like who cares what is the thing that you're fighting so hard against because we have the the two camps consist of this right we have icarus is the diehard traditionalist believes in uh ashram's mission kills selma hayek's character he it wasn't the deviant it was icarus he kills all um, along it was him all along he kills some hayek's character because she is having second thoughts for the first time in a million years and let's just talk about this crazy scene this she is like okay well i've done this for a million years i've watched you know billions of people be just like needlessly slaughtered to birth mm-hmm. these celestials but this time is weird because thanos snapped half the population out of existence of the universe not just the earth the universe and then humans brought half the population back because of course when they snapped half of the when thanos snapped half of the population out of existence that delayed the emergence which is what they call the hatching of a celestial is the emergence so correct that delayed it because now there's not enough of this people energy that creates a celestial so her reasoning is it's different because the people of this planet brought people back so what she's saying in like sort of a roundabout way is like oh they have superheroes (laughs) it's different on this planet because they got an iron man none of the other planets i've been to had an iron man but this one has an iron man so it's cool as hell yeah we should keep it around we gotta keep this planet around you see iron man he did a little snap. Half the population came back. This is crazy. We got to Someone talk to me about this. Someone talk to someone about this Iron Man. Hey, wait a minute. Is that Thanos a deviant? Yeah, no. never mind. Let's not even talk about that. Again. Is he? I don't he think is. he is. He's part deviant. I mean, he is He's in the comics. De- 
That, well, that's what I'm saying, which would have been, I don't know, would have provided more impact. Cause we, we get a, we movie. get a half, we get a after credit scene that is just like, yeah. Oh, okay. Thanos is, a, is an eternal. Well, yeah, because he's eternal, but he's also half deviant in the comics. In the comics. Can't speak for that. But what I'm saying is like, think of, I, I say, think about this where you have your, a MCU goer, you're coming into the Eternals with no idea who the Eternals are. No point of reference other than the fact that they constantly have to compare them to other comic book counterparts, right? Like, I hate, like, if you do one thing where you're like, you know, kind of like Superman, <laughs> right? And you like do the little hit someone in the ribs and you, uh, you comment on it, they went to that well a lot, mentioning like the DC. You know, they're DC counterparts for the most part. Oh my god. Okay, I that was another talking point that I had on my list that I wanted to talk about, but like absolutely. Do you think that it was just like they took a look at this movie and they're like, okay, this is basically Justice League. We got a Green Lantern analog, we got a Flash analog, we got a Superman analog. Like, we have to we I guess we got kind of like a Martian Manhunter analog in a way. We have to like lampshade it we have to put a lampshade on it we have to point it out to the audience or people will point it out do you think that's why they because like they established that and this is <laughs> you could tell around the internet chatter around this movie after it came out was more about them establishing that the dc universe exists in fiction in the marvel universe more than anything else that happened in this movie Yes, and isn't that the saddest thing ever? <laughs> That's all right, you need like, to know. Nothing else happens in this movie of consequence except well, for the honestly, fact that they established that they established that Batman and Superman are real as fictional characters in the Marvel universe. Multiple times. Multiple times. It's not like it was just like they mentioned Superman more than once. Yeah, and Batman yeah, and it, several times. And you just kind of go like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, because I have no relation to who these people are, you have to give me, you're providing a parallel for them. So I can kind of understand maybe the severity or who this character is or the archetype or whatever. So I just picture like, if you would have dropped that bomb that, you know, Thanos you know, instead of just the snap, but, you know, being a deviant, you know, I could tell that, you know, he himself was a deviant, you know, before it was too late or whatever, bada bing, bada boom. That at least would have give you a comparable go ooh, and keep it within the Marvel universe. The fact that they had to kind of go outside of it to justify what they were doing inside of it, it was another thing that just like made my eyes hit the back of my head so fast. It was just like, oh, I hate when you do this, like. Yeah. because yeah, like, I already don't care about these characters, <laughs> but now you're really not even providing me like any context that I am related to, or yeah. I can relate to. Like, think about this in the context of the world that they live in. Like they, a kid sees Icarus on the news and he's shooting eye beams and he is fighting against a monster. And he says, you're a Superman. This is a world in which Thor 
Iron Man, Captain America, Vision exist. Vision shoots yellow I-beams. Same thing. <laughs> you're telling me that that kid is not like, oh, you're Vision, right? You're just like Vision, because that's a thing that, that is a real thing that exists in this universe. No, he is going to go to the Superman well, because uh, I don't know. And I'm for it. If you want to do it once, <laughs> I'm fine with that, right? Just a sure, little reference, parallel, yeah. Yeah, parallel's been made. But when you keep going back to it, I'm like, this becomes less fan service or whatever you're trying to do. It's this. not it as becomes... funny as you think it is, guys. Yeah, you know, it's like the majority of what we do. It's not as funny as we think it is, but I enjoy it anyway. Okay, let's let us cut forward to the Amazon where they find uh they find Druig and he is running a weird overalls cult in the middle of the Amazon. Uh I'm assuming with the descendants of the Spanish and uh, uh native armies that he led away from from that and you know whatever that Incan or Aztec city that they were in earlier in the movie. And, uh, here we have, um, here we have, like, the, the deviants attack once again, and, like, the main mm -hmm. power-sucking deviant attacks, and he, he, he kills Gilgamesh very, in a very sad scene, and the, <laughs> when he kills Gilgamesh, I was expecting, oh, like, now he's gonna be a bestial, like, uh, deviant who is super strong. But killing Gilgamesh makes him very sophisticated, like sucking the eternal juice out of Gilgamesh makes him like he suddenly is more person like. And uh, he's like, oh, oh, this scene, this scene bothered me so much. He is like, oh, I know everything. I've seen what she has seen, and oh, you guys are going to pay for what you did to my kind. It's like. The amount of exposition and sort of, like, plot knowledge that they give to him in that moment makes no sense. Not only because Gilgamesh has not seen, like, Gilgamesh is not privy to the to the information that, that Arshem shares. Granted, he finds out about it, but he, like, he didn't see what she saw. But then the, the deviant sucks out his power and he's like, oh yeah, no, I saw everything. I have the whole plot now. You guys are so screwed. I hate you. And then, like, Icarus shows up and he just runs away. It's just like. Wh Dude. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. He's like, no. I saw what she saw. I. Th th my people. Because I, I don't know if we talked about this yet. I think we talked about it a little bit. But they explained the deviants, like, halfway through the movie is like, oh, yeah, no. Uh. Uh, Arsham is like, oh yeah, no, I tried to make you guys before, and it didn't work out. Uh, I made them a little oopsie, and like they decided to like kill the people I need for the Celestials to hatch, but then they just got away. So I, I tried again. And, like, he didn't even make them as a like counterpoint. I thought that was gonna be the thing. I thought that was gonna be the thing. I thought that the the deviants were gonna be made as a like a necessary counterpoint to bring apart, uh, sorry, to bring about the hatching of a celestial, but it isn't. They, it was just a little whoopsie, whoopsie. Arshem, his first try sucked, and so he's like, "I'll try again." 
I gave them the ability to evolve. Whoopsie, whoopsie. Sorry. No, I mean, that's how they were, if I remember correctly, in the comics. That's why they're like two sides of the same coin. Right, that is more interesting. Way more interesting. It's like you see it. it, Okay, you want to keep the celestial hatching in a planet? Fine. Here's the planet is born. The the celestial is planted. And now we put the, you know, the fertilizer in the farmers. Go, you know, go to town. Yeah. Life is sprung. You're ready to do those things. You're always meant to be adversarial, even though you are the same for the most part. Go to town. That could have been so much more interesting than, yeah, just kind of like, whoops, I made one. Uh, I I accidentally gave him the ability to evolve, and that was the mistake. And so then I made you guys without that ability. Well, the fact that these fuckers were just kind of frozen in the Arctic. Like, just some of them were just kind of like... Right. They're like, oh, yeah, we killed all of them. No problem. We'll get invited back to Olympia one day. And, of course, Olympia is not a thing that exists because we find... That's another big twist. Is that the Eternals are biomechanical robots that have been created by Arshem. And uh, there's a bunch of copies of them. So, like... At that point, they tell us that halfway through the movie. And at that point, I'm just like, why should I care about these characters now? There's literally a bunch of copies of them. These are just one iteration of, of them. And, and I guess I guess in a way that's like sort of like the com- commander data of it all. Because we're, we're saying, hey, you know, these are the these are synthetic life forms that have like decided to buck their programming. They're saying, hey, this programming is not maybe it's not so great. I'm going to do something different. And that's why we're supposed to like them. But the moment I found out that they were just, all of them were biomechanical robots, I don't know. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, I didn't care before. I doubly don't care. (laughs) I double don't care. Like that, I mean, that was my whole, that's like been my whole bag with this thing. Like I don't, care i don't see the stakes i don't understand it i don't understand crow right the 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 evolving deviant which we don't like like the did you know that after you saw the movie did you know that that was his name fuck no i just learned it was his name because i looked it up (laughs) doing like the menace and then the worst part is they got bill skarsgård to play the do the voice <laughs> for this character i'm like why and look and then they kill him like here's my question to you are we supposed to feel good when thena kills him because like after i find out what like what the deviants are and how they were created and like what that actually happened to him i have more sympathy for the deviants than i do for any of the eternals yeah it's fucked up yeah and so, yeah. like, when he gets his head sliced in half, I was like, no! Like, have him help them out. He should be a good guy now. It just felt like you needed him to break Fina out of that mode. Right. How about you just don't put her in that mode to begin with? The, uh, and then you could save probably the million bucks or whatever you paid Bill Skarsgård for doing, like... <laughs> Two minutes worth of voice work. I mean, like, what? 
you have Theta, who is like the the greatest. Her as an Eternal is like the greatest fighter that has ever lived. But then, like halfway through the movie, you you hamstring her with some sort of uh, memory uh, sickness or insanity, and mm-hmm. and then like you have. At the end, you have her being snapped out of it because the guy, the Deviant, references Gilgamesh's memories to, I guess, in order to get close enough to not get sliced, but then she just slices him anyway. I don't know. I was so underwhelmed. That's why when you you mentioned the Neil Gaiman series, if they would have just followed that a bit more... It would have been way more compelling. Yeah, because the in his series there is no, there isn't uh, an idea of the celestial destroying Earth when it is born. It is like implanted under Golden Gate Park, I think, in San Francisco, and it, yep. and it just like it is is birthed out of that, and then it judges everybody, much like what happens in this movie at the end. It decides to judge people after it's it's born. But the Dreaming Celestial in that story is interesting because they are as much of like a hero as everybody else. Like they help the Celestials out. They help them like find other Celestials to free from because in Neil Gaiman's story, Sprite is the really is the villain. Nah. Right? Because I mean that is a very compelling set of motivation. The yeah. fact that like you know, you're trapped in being a child's form forever, right? Like, you're for whatever reason, I don't even understand why, like, the Celestials who made the Eternals are like, yeah, let's make one eight years old. No, Ooh, yeah, shit. and Sprite even asks that in the movie. Why did, why did Arishem do this to me? And it's never answered. They don't address Nothing. it at all. And then the way that they fix it is insane like yeah. at oh, the Jesus. at the end they they find festos and he's like he has got like a family and he's happy and they say listen oh, actually before we get to that i just want to say i just want to address the the festo scene about hiroshima yeah go ahead if that's where <laughs> you want to go i don't want to go there too much but what i do want to say is when that scene came up I thought, don't do this. That's what I was saying to the movie. I was saying, don't go here. Because this is a real thing where real people who are really alive died. Mm -hmm. And you are using it as this ham-fisted way to develop this character. I don't know how Festos can't fly. Festos can't teleport. Festos is in a, uh, he's got glasses in a lab coat, and he's just at the ground zero of Hiroshima being like, humans don't deserve it. I gave them technology, and they they did this. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, I'm... This is a real thing, guys. This is like, it felt so crazily disrespectful. I yeah, yeah. I was taken aback that that scene exists in that movie. I was gobsmacked. Yeah, no, ditto. I mean, I just saw that in the theaters going, really? That's... Yeah, exact okay. same response. Like, 
Yeah. Whoa, what? Like, and it's like, like, it is a cast off scene in that movie that feels like it is, it is just there for what happens at the end. Well, I think, yeah, two points the end and accelerating his character development because he gets almost no time in toward, in, until towards the middle of the movie. No, he gets and, nothing. It's right? insane. So, like, he is involved so heavily in the, the end of the movie. It is insane how little time they spend on him in the rest. That's because, I mean, you know why the movie was so long. They, I mean, because they, yes. they were busy trying to develop all these characters because it's a lot and they weren't going to be like, well, let's do an Icarus movie first and then let's do a, a Cersei movie next. No, they, right? They had to speed it along, but to use that, like the gravitas of that event alone is something that should not be used as a narrative device. No. Most most of the time except if you're making a movie about the event and even then i would still probably say it's bad taste yes so like the it was it wasn't needed it could have literally been a line it didn't even you did not even need the after effect of that like there there's just so no but this like, is i mean here's how i, I thought about it this is the mcu they have tons of human-made horrible disasters that they can reference. They don't need to reference real things that happened in our world. Like, sure, reference sure. Sokovia. Reference Ultron. Like, you guys went back to that well tons of times in the last, like, even in WandaVision. So, like, reference Tony Stark's, uh, like, him creating horrible weapons of mass destruction in a, in a thing that didn't actually exist. You have your own universe you can you can delve into without uh, referencing something that actually happened where people actually died. Yeah, mention, like, yeah, to your point, you could mention Hydra and what happened. You could even mention Hydra in World War II, like, if you wanted to get sure. to that point. Like, if you wanted, like, a level of just saying that for their advancement, they don't deserve it anymore. You know, whatever he was providing. Yeah. And I'm not saying you no. can't, it's like, you can't reference stuff that actually happened in a, a way that, in that like comments on it. And, uh, that, that, so, that shames how awful it was. You can do that, but yeah, yeah. you, ha you have, this world you've created, you don't need to lean on this necessarily to to make your point. And also, it was such a short throwaway scene in the movie, and that is like what I really object about. Like when I saw that mushroom cloud, and then they showed the the close up of like all the destroy. I'm just like, no, don't do, turn back, stop the why? movie. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, why? do this it it makes no i don't want to say like it's shock value or whatever because depending on who's watching it some people might have no context or might not even realize that has happened sure. just you know honestly so there you go but to the point of don't show something if it 
you know, it's not going to add to the overall, you know, theme or scope to it. Don't, don't try to shock me into feeling how, you know, like what they're going to be going up against is that terrifying or, you know, you know, that dreadful or whatever. I, I don't, I don't need it. It feels like, it feels like wasted, you know, animation time. Well, yeah, and also, doesn't it seem like a reshoot? Because it happens. You're right. It it does serve to character develop Festus a little bit. But then, like, they don't address it at all. Like, he never mentions it again. It isn't really addressed until the very end of the movie. And at the end of the movie, we get this scene where it's like, okay, so Circe, they... Festus creates the Unimind, which allows all the Eternals to sort of channel their cosmic power into a single member to, to do something really badass. And their idea at first, because they they want to stop the Emergence, or at least part of the Eternals wants to stop the Emergence. We have Icarus, uh, we have Sprite, who we we learn is is in love with Icarus, but they can never be together because uh they are you know sprite is consistently uh is forever an 11 year old um and uh, uh uh kinga who is on team icarus but is a pacifist so will not uh like lend their power to icarus's cause and then on the other side we have circe and the rest who are uh, convinced, you know, after they've found out the information that they were created and they're here to destroy humanity, they're saying there's a better way. We don't want to do this. So these we have these two uh, camps. And mm-hmm. um, in that camp, Festus creates the Unimind, which is able to siphon all the cosmic energy from all the different Eternals into one of their members and initially their thought is, hey, we'll have uh, Druig, he will use his mind control power to put the Celestial to sleep. Um, and uh, it will delay the emergence until they can move all the humans off the, the Earth uh, to a new home that will not be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Druig decides at some point that that's... <laughs> It's not, he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. This is your show, Cersei. Uh, Ajak, who passed their ball of communicating with the Celestials to Cersei, making her the de facto leader, she uh, needs to deal with it. So Druig is like, nah, I'm not going to try. We tried, we didn't even try it. in the first place but this is your show you do it so all the Eternals they join in the Unimind they add their power to Cersei and she is able to turn the emerging Celestial to marble I believe yeah some sort of material versus I don't know more water or some shit Yeah, she could have turned it to something that wouldn't be a giant thing that planes couldn't fly past that it goes into the atmosphere of Earth but Instead, she turned it into a giant piece of marble. I guess all the way through the Earth. So now, like I don't know, is the core disrupted? I have so many questions about what this what this means. 
but uh so she that's basically the end of the of that celestial and we get this sort of wrap-up scene with uh cersei and dane they're walking in a park and they're talking about and dane uh they're talking about what happened the movie basically recapping the movie and all the Mm -hmm. sort of the the stuff that they've learned about cersei and uh as that's happening dane is about to reveal because by the way people like you and me who are big marvel fans know that dane whitman is the black knight from uh marvel yep. fiction oh yeah he is the black knight that's yes, right yes, yes. we've he mentioned him many knight. times we've mentioned that he wields the ebony blade yeah oh he's got all he might have a winged horse at the very least a weird looking hover bike that he flies around <laughs> but we the, it's gotta sense <laughs> it's gotta have something so we're waiting for this so this is the mm-hmm. moment. He is, he is, hey, guess what? Well, you know, you told me all your secrets. There's a secret I've got. And my family history, turns out, is a little bit complicated. And I'm assuming this is because Cersei asked Dane to, like, reconcile with her, his uncle. Like, in that one scene earlier in the movie. And he's like, well, I've got some news to tell you. And <laughs> the, then the clouds gather and uh arsham appears in the sky mm-hmm. and pulls all the eternals that are presently on the earth into the space and uh says hey well you killed one of us so that's that's fucked up um uh i'm gonna take you to this whatever wherever the fuck we go we go into a black hole and then i'm going to use your memories to judge whether or not humanity is worthy of the sacrifice of a celestial, and I'll be back to judge. Which is like the most telegraphy sort of like, this might be the big bad that everyone has to fight against in the future thing I've ever seen in a Marvel movie. And uh, you know me, I am notoriously forgiving of marvel movies i love yeah yes you are marvel movies i don't care when they're cheesy i don't care when they're obvious this just felt like a flashing neon sign this is the next thing that people will have to face off against but they end the movie that way and it's that that's the end. That's the end of the movie. Is that they're like, all oh, you Eternals, oh, I'm gonna wag my finger at you. You killed one of me. So let's see if that was the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no. It is the... I think the ending is very much like the beginning of this movie. Uh, unnecessary. It, it does seem like it was... I like if you told me that Chloe's uh, Chloe Zhao was like finished filming the movie and then some producers went in and like filmed that last scene just to to connect it to the larger Marvel universe. That's I would believe you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, this movie to me feels like it feels like how I sometimes reference it is how older superhero movies were made. Sure, right, yeah. like kind of like 
these grand spectacles, they exist in their own universe and they don't acknowledge there's more to it or whatever. So a lot of uh, tent poly things like we got to have this, we have to have that. We need to mention this. We need to get there. And this is a, sh this is a movie that honestly, maybe if you recast some of your higher costing actors, you could have made this a TV show. And I think it would have been a lot better. Yeah. So that was my exact same thought too. But as I thought about it more, I thought, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like uh, part of me says, yes, this should have been a TV show. It could have been a great TV show. Like it could have, like if you had teased out these things over episodes, I would have really liked it because I, we haven't talked about this. But we have both seen the entirety of the Hawkeye TV show at this yes, point. Yes, we have. Mm -hmm. I think the Hawkeye TV show should have been a movie. Whereas I think the Eternal movie should have been a TV show. I think the they had too much lore that they were trying to get to. I think if they had a little more space, a little more focus on each of the characters, we could have really gotten to know them and cared about what was happening and maybe at the end of the series. But like, that's the thing is I think if this, if the Eternals was a TV show, it had to, it would have had to have been like 20 episodes. Like, I, I mean it, if you're trying to give it gravitas and breadth and depth, then yeah, you're gonna need to go deep. Like this is going to be something that you, you need to layer in slowly. You can't just shotgun all these things at the audience and hope that it's going to be enough. No. And that's what this movie is. Even at two and a half hours. I mean, this movie is long. Your wife fell asleep. Rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't blame her. You know, it was one of the I don't situations I was like, I'm not mad at this. Like usually when no. people fall asleep, when I'm watching something with them that I, we have planned on, I'm like, what? Like we had, this is something we planned to do together and you're asleep. This is so annoying. And this, yeah, this is our contract here. Exactly. Yeah. This is the social contract that we have signed and you are violating it. In this case, I'm like sleep tight, sleep yeah, well, it. sweet princess, because <laughs> you are missing what you are missing. You do not need to witness. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's my this movie is, I mean, it's a movie, but it doesn't do I don't feel like it really does any of the things that they were trying to do. And I don't like, I'm definitely not looking for an Eternals too. Oh, okay. And I certainly hope they're all right. Let's, let's let <laughs> with that in our, in the front of our minds, let's talk very quickly about the after credit scenes of this movie. So we get to, which is kind of par for the course for Marvel movies. But the first after credit scene, because of course, when um, like half of the Eternals, the surviving Eternals, we got Thena, we got uh, Druig, and we got Flash. <laughs> uh, and, mm -hmm. and we got Flash. And they, they all um, uh, go off in the Domo to find other copies of themselves or other Eternals that have been, you know, that are under the false 
impression that they were under. And they're going to kind of free them from their, uh, you know, their prison of false information, which is um, very similar to the Gaiman comic. Um, Yep. So they are, they're like, hey, you know, we haven't heard from these other Eternals in forever, because of course we know as the audience that they've been taken away by Arshem, Arshem, and like, uh, to his celestial court, I don't know where exactly they took him, but whatever, um, and, uh, we get our first sort of like, this is supposed to be like the big, like, you know when we saw Iron Man and Nick Fury showed up and we were like, oh my god, there's like a new, there's like a bigger world out there. We'll be able to see all these other heroes. This is an amazing tease. That's meant to be the same here, I feel like. But instead we get Harry Styles, who is a pop sensation that I am not very familiar with. I don't listen to Harry Styles' music or One Direction or whatever the hell he comes from. Um... But he uh, he is playing Eros, and we get him and Pip the troll um, as the the first after credit scene. And to me, John, I don't know if you are like hoping Eros would show up, but I was like, huh, who? And he's like, I'm Thanos's brother. I'm like, what? <laughs> I come from, I'm the Prince of Titan. Because huh? I don't know about you, yeah, well, I didn't see him in Thanos' several flashbacks to Titan, you know, that he does. Or at least one that he does. Thanos never mentioned this guy, but uh, it seems like he would. You would think so. You would think but, so. <laughs> but, you know, again, you know, like, right, I, I, got, I, I have the shorthand. Obviously, I know that. Though they won't call him Star Fox anymore for obvious reasons. I knew who he was. He, they they right? said it like, once. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're they're testing the waters to see what Nintendo does. Right. I mean like yeah, they're gonna say it once. They're never gonna say it again. They're like he's Eros, right, that that's his it. name. He yeah, is the Star you know, Fox. Yeah, easier. I mean, I was expecting it. Yeah, you know, obviously they didn't they, they kinda grew up with each other, but you know that Thanos and him kinda break up apart. I mean, it's cool to have that, but I feel like, again, like that's kind of setting me up for a number two of these movies and I don't want one. So I wasn't blown away by it. I was like, it was nice to see Puck though, to be fair. You mean Pip? Pip, Pip. Yep. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking Alpha Flight You're Puck. Thinking Pip, I would love to see Alpha which Flight. Which I would rather see an Alpha Flight movie <laughs> than... The same thing. <laughs> Turtles movie. So my apologies. I was like, oh, I would love to see. I would love to see. Uh, Alpha. <laughs> I would love. I would love to see. Yeah, exactly. And Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Indicator. I would, give me all. Of them. Give me the Canada. Give me Canada's Avengers. I would love to see Canada's Avengers yeah. before I see the Eternals. But here we are. So that's like the first after credit scene, and it. Like, they stage it in such a way where, like, they have Eros kind of, like, walking into the light in a way where we're supposed to go, Oh, shit, it's Star Fox! (laughs) 
But how many people do you think even know who the fuck Star Fox is? And I mean, maybe that's what they were thinking. They're like, the Marvel fans will love the Star Fox reference. Everyone else will love the Harry Styles of it all. That's probably what they chose. Because I didn't even realize this. Uh, my brother-in-law that told me that was Harry Styles. And I was like, who? And then Tony was like, oh, that guy who hosted Saturday Night Live once. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that guy. Okay, I get it now. I remember <laughs> And it sounded like it sounded like Patton Oswalt was uh, Pip. Yeah, which was fine. Yeah, hundred percent. Give Patton Oswalt all the voice acting. Put him in all the Marvel things. It's fine. I mean, this one versus the second. Okay, let's uh, talk about this. So Marvel often does this where they have like a mid credits scene where it's like they they show the main cast like the major players and then they do like a little hey this is what's going on uh and then they'll if you wait to the very end of the movie they'll have like a real like gut punch style uh like you want to to stick around for that final for that final uh thing so I did I was in I was like you know on Disney Plus after you see the first after credit scene they literally have a skip credits bu- button that goes mm-hmm. to the next one. They know what you're in for. So that was me. Oh, that's nice. I didn't realize they did that. Yeah, that was nice. Because uh, I was like, I finished the first after credit scene, and I was like, okay, here we go. Here, Because, granted, I have not looked up anything about this movie. No spoilers or anything. I knew Harry Styles was Eros. That was spoiled for me well beforehand. So I was ready for that one. But the rest of the movie, I was completely, didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, what's going to happen in the second thing? And I see Kit Harrington, and I'm like, all right, here we go for it. This is what you've been waiting for the entire movie. You want to see the Black Knight. You want to see the Ebony Blade. You reference it on your podcast. You obviously love this weird, obscure character. Here he comes. So it's Kit Harrington. He's like, oh. Do I open this box? I don't know. Do I not open this box? Oh boy, here we go. And so he opens it up and it's the Ebony Blade. And it's everything you hope for. It's whispering to him. It's weird. It's wrapped in some sort of, you know, shroud of Turin type weird, like, uh, you know, written on, uh, I don't know, wrapping around it. It, like, sort of calls out to him. You're like, oh, shit, here we go. We're going to see him in his dumb, stupid armor with his dumb horse. And, uh, nope. He almost touches it, and a voice that we do not see for off screen says, are you sure you're ready for that? And then cut to black. And <sighs> that's it! Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait. So... <laughs> And then it says, with the most unearned hubris in the world, it says at the very end, the Eternals will return. And my immediate reaction was like, will they? (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, mine was a little bit more, fuck. I'm like, maybe in a team-up movie, but we're not getting an Eternals 2. Certainly not. Here's the thing. Uh, mm. So immediately my question was, who the fuck was that? Who said, are you ready? Because it seemed important. But I'm like, okay, I don't know enough about the Black Knight to know who this might be. So immediately I looked it up. 
And of course, enough time has passed that when I'm seeing it, that we have like the benefit of like people do, you know, Chloe show did like, she did, uh, tons of interviews since then. So we know exactly who it is. So I looked up, <laughs> I was like, okay, is that the previous Black Knight? No. That is Marsh. <laughs> that is. Is that Blade? That's Blade. That was Blade, huh? That was Blade. So here's my question, John. Do you? I don't know if you remember, but when you saw it, do you think did that guy have an English accent? Because I don't remember. Because when I the... saw it, it seemed like he had a bit of an English accent, and I thought, is Blade gonna be like? Is Blade gonna be from England now? <laughs> I mean, fuck, maybe that's the one way you change it, right? Because everyone's maybe. just expecting a Wesley Snipe, so they're just like, we gotta go English. We just we just gotta go. This dude this dude has depth and range. He can do it. He can pull it off. I did not realize that was uh, that was supposed to be Blade. Yeah. I thought that was like his dad or something. Like, are you sure, son? Yeah, I'm sure to be the Black Knight. I got to do it. Yeah, that was, that was Marshala Ali. That was the our next blade. Yeah. Okay. Well, I well, you know, I did not see that coming. Well, no, but here's the thing: it sucks as a tease. Like, I don't know if they couldn't like get Marshala Ali on the day. I don't know if they were like, okay, this is the tease we want to do, but we can't pull it off because of COVID. I don't know, but I don't know why you didn't fucking show him. Everyone knows he's oh. cast. Like, do you think his Marsh like his voice is great, but there's he, he is not James Earl Jones, he is not Jeff Goldblum, he is not someone who I can identify just from his voice. If you want that to be Blade, you got to show me Blade. Do you? Can you imagine? I feel like you and I would be talking about this movie in an entirely different context if it. If the very last thing we saw was an image of MCU Blade. I mean, yeah. I mean, that would probably be my favorite part. Yeah, we would be like, okay, the movie was kind of uneven. But did you see that scene where Blade was like, hey, Black Knight, we're going to do some crazy shit? Like, that would be incredible. So now, do you think it was because they were like, hmm, he played Cottonmouth in luke cage and that came out five years ago mm-hmm. you know most people's memories well you know, I mean, last at least seven years so let's make sure that there's no oh, i see what you're saying uh, <laughs> so they don't no show confusing. him so, until seven years from mouth. now <laughs> you know cottonmouth is with the black knight explain that so just give it enough time for you know our cells to our, our old cells to die off and new cells to be brought up and our memories of Luke Cage to be forgotten. <laughs> so that way you can show him comfortably. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's yeah, all about the just like, wait, the people know. I don't know. I don't feel like anyone lock, watched Luke Cage, I unfortunately. Think, well, I watched the hell out of that. I did too. Um, I did too. But I mean, like, that whole Netflix Marvel thing is like. Although, I guess now that they've brought Kingpin back, spoiler alert. Now that they brought Kingpin back and they brought Daredevil back, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe there's like. A- I mean, also, I just feel like they don't, outside of knowing he's cast as Blade, 
they have no idea what he looks like yet. That's the I thing, know. I think. Maybe yeah. they like they wanted to show him and they're like, We don't have this costume locked down. Just like But like I don't know, man. Like if that's what they wanted I, to I do like they had like when they if you just remember when they introduced Nick Fury in Iron Man and like you and me as 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 unsuspecting of the what the Marvel universe would become we're seeing Iron Man and we see oh my god there's a larger universe out there they're going to expand this imagine how many heroes we we get to see and Nick Fury looks perfect for the you know the uh, ultimate's version of Nick uh, Nick Fury and we're just like okay we're in show me the rest of this marvel universe like they had like they have the money fucking figure your blade outfit out you have tons of comics that have come out since the blade movie that have established what it could look like give us a version of that all you need to show is Marshall in glasses and a trench coat. Like, to be honest, you could just be you in the corner. Even done, you could have done over the shoulder. Yeah, dude. Like, you could be like, are you ready for this? Show a you sword know? on his back. Oh, snap. Yeah. Like, show a, a yeah. sword on his back and, like, some fucking stakes sticking out. I would be, I, I would be into it. I mean, dude, they even name dropped that, the ebony blade earlier in the movie. Is that the ebony blade? No, that's Excalibur. He was like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, that that part was stupid too. It's like, yeah, uh, it's how a- does she not know? It would be yeah, whispering yeah. to her. <laughs> order, order some food. What? <laughs> what do you want to eat for dinner? Dinner, dinner. I'm thinking Chinese. You. <laughs> Oh, that's the you Ebony Blade. Tacos, tacos? Uh, yeah, that's Ebony Blade. No, no, that's yeah. uh, that's Ex- Excalibur. Excalibur loves tacos. You should know that. Yeah, Excal- Excalibur every day is Taco Tuesday for Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like I don't know. That pissed me off so bad. There is, there is, the parts I like were those relationship we talked about. Some of the fighting, like I said could have definitely taught like or should have showed dc how to do their characters better yeah Uh, just in terms of like icarus flying around and stuff felt very also the way they use the camera to your point the cinematography was very like interesting and very kinetic that i enjoyed um yeah makari running super fast as flash with no slow-mo was awesome because it was just fast and i was like yeah i could follow it right look great and it's like Um, makari versus icarus you're just like okay this is how the flash versus superman sections should have uh, played out yeah it great um i wasn't a fan of any of the aesthetics because i wish they would have leaned a lot more heavily on kirby's look absolutely i'm a huge kirby fan and they don't delve into it pretty much at all except for like the few balls the circles on people's outfits yeah but even like the celestials themselves had like a too organic manner Mm. to them um that kind of disrupted that real smooth oddly shaped bodies that they would create same with the deviants like i wish the deviants looked like the crazy deviants that we got because they just look 
like nutty. Yeah, um, in the movie they look like CG monsters that you've seen a billion times. Well, I could have you could have cut them out and then had them fighting in Pacific Rim, and I would have just been just at home with them there. Sure. Than here or like absolutely Starship Trooper direct to video anything like it anything like there there was nothing special versus like these really insane looking like creatures that you know Kirby Design came up with. I this if you're going to talk about a movie that you could have started showing some Kirby crackle, which they kind of do, but it's not. It's not very noticeable. I think there are parts with the celestial in space, which it kind of feels like they want to hint at it. Just give me that like rich look. So I wasn't really a fan of like the filigree um, looking weaponry and connections and stuff like that. It just there's a lot that I just felt like it was like, uh, I don't, I didn't need this movie before. And I definitely feel like I didn't need it now. And, um, there wasn't enough payoff for me to sit there and go like, yeah, okay, this is, I get it. I get what they're trying to set up. Um, I felt like there, there was no payoffs with any of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like what we got was like, a bunch of like uh androids who i mean uh, one of the questions i was asking myself is like when they go to different alien worlds because they've done this millions of times in the past is one of the things they reveal did did they look like those aliens like is this the only versions of the eternals who look like humans it, there were there were just so many questions that were raised by the plot of this movie that it was distracting to watch. And I think that that's one of the things that really takes me out of the movie or any movie immediately is when I'm just like, wait, what, why? And if I'm thinking about why what I'm seeing exists, then I'm not swept away in the story. And I think that was one of the biggest sort of stumbles of this movie. But also, I don't think that's Chloe Zhao's uh, fault. I don't. I I think that she is a incredible like. She makes these incredible contem- com- uh, like contemplative movies about like the human condition that she won an Oscar for. It was just mm-hmm. like they put the wrong person in charge of this weird movie, or they chose the wrong. Uh, thing to to make a movie i don't know i just it was to me it was like kind of like a weird failure on every level that i'm just not used to seeing from marvel yeah it's definitely not very i mean on my marvel movie list it is unfortunately it is last now yeah Um, dead last yeah it was like the least enjoyable outing and I, and I wasn't really expecting anything from it to, from the rip, but even what I got, I was like, ooh, no, thank you. Well, I mean, like, take my example. You gave me, like, you set my expectations perfectly. I think that your, your uh, assessment of the movie is dead on. And I went into it with the lowest of expectations, ready to be wowed. And there were, it, the movie just came off as something that I wanted to like so badly. There was the whole way through. I was just like, okay, well this clangs for me. This doesn't work for me, but man, I bet it's going to get there. I bet it's going to get there in the end. And at the end, I'm just like, 
you're it's weird for Marvel to do this sort of movie because this is the kind of thing that we knock DC on all the time. They were jealous of Marvel's sort of world building. And so they came in with this movie that tried to do the world building in reverse. They're like, okay, we're going to team up all these people first. And then we're going to tell their stories in the space of one movie. And we saw that it didn't work with the justice league. We got character development, like that didn't engender us to the characters. It didn't, it didn't give us like that connection to the characters that we really wanted. And we said, okay, this is the wrong way to do this. Marvel did it right. And then Marvel turns around and does it wrong. It's like, <laughs> like, okay, well, I guess we'll just try to shove all this character development into a single film instead of building it up over 10 years. And I get, I get it. If I was Marvel, I would not take a chance on spacing out the Eternals over 10 years or even five years or even three years. I don't think I would like give them that much space because it's a weird comic that is not that popular. There are characters that are not that popular. But it is just strange that they did it. I I mean, I agree. I agree. This feels like... Like I said before, this is the shepherding of the the larger Marvel universe, even something that not a lot of people are familiar with, right? Like the Eternals is to me, and I think to a lot of Marvel Marvel fans, is the long roundabout way that you're bringing in the Fantastic Four, right? Like sure. they just have to kind of explore these things and kind of get you there. You could have totally cut these guys out and just give me the Fantastic Four, and I think everyone would be fine. Like we'd be like, okay, that's cool, we get it. Or have them be the ones who find the Eternals or something else. Like, give me, give me, give me fun. Give me something <laughs> that like, give, like I walk away where fun. I want. Yeah, where I walk away where I'm like, I want you know, I want more of that instead of like. I'm full, thank you. Uh, but you didn't touch your plate, John. You know, it must have been that bean I had for dinner last night. But I'm quite full. It There is nothing here. You're right. And you know like what? You're right. This is the Eternals is the meatloaf of uh, the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I'm good, uh, thanks. I mean, I'm good, yeah. And, like, I mean, there's not enough catch-up to make me want to dine. Um, and it sucks, but you know, them, them, them's the breaks. They tried a lot of things and were some things successful. Yes. To a degree. But I think the points that they were trying to get across weren't very, um, you know what I thought, you know what I came away with after watching this movie was this feels like the best argument that Marvel needs to make an X-Men movie that I have ever seen. Because I think that the one thing that the X-Men excel at is tackling prescient social issues and crazy bullshit in equal measure in a way that is palatable. And it just like just like what I thought when I saw the uh the that that series um oh god the the name escapes me but it had anson mount it had medusa 
what are uh, the inhumans the inhumans yes it's like at that point i was like okay wow uh, marvel needs the x-men so bad and then this movie further drove that home i'm like there's nothing that the eternals are doing in this in this movie that i couldn't see the x-men doing and i think that it just i think to your point the fantastic four as well because they have more connection to cosmic power but like jam them together what we really needed was an x-men movie and a fantastic four movie not an eternals movie i mean we know they're coming we do know both of them are coming there's no reason now you know they they own all the parts to make it happen oh absolutely and i would and to be honest i would love to see chloe zhao do an x-men movie yeah i i think because uh, you know pull the same fighters because they they you know the eternals very much like the x-men are all a bunch of you know kind of like single powered individuals that you know group up and i think they had a lot of great group dynamics in here when we got those moments they're just so far and few between that like it wasn't enough to like tent pull this but i think to your point talking about like social issues and things like that yeah use the x-men the x-men has always been that allegory for you know inequality and you know systemic racism and everything else you want to call out if we're gonna go where we're going with this so Give me the X-Men movie. Give me the fa- uh, the Fantastic Four movie. I feel the Eternals totally could have been a TV show if you wanted the wait. Yeah, um, and make Hawkeye a, make uh, the Hawkeye series a movie. I, I appreciated the Hawkeye series, don't get me wrong, but it felt like a movie br- like split up into several episodes. And I disagree with you. I enjoyed it for how it was. But it's because I like the procedural, like, crime shows, and that's what it kind of struck me as. Kind of. I felt like it it didn't have enough bad guys for the procedural sort of, like, case of the week format. They kind of... Well, it's because we a got a five-parter. Yeah, exactly. Th- yeah. That's... Uh, what I'm saying is, in the form that we were given it, make that a movie. But if they want to go more to the direction that you're talking about, if they wanted to, like, show Kate and Hawkeye doing just, like, the the Hawkeye duo uh, solving crimes over uh, a bunch of episodes, I agree. Give me 20 episodes of that, where there's a bunch of filler and there's a bunch of, like, Monster of the... Or, sorry, Criminal of the Week and Case of the Week stuff. Give me more of that. The way that they made the Hawkeye movie or sorry the hawkeye series i think that they it seemed like it was originally intended to be a movie that they split up into a a series but i agree with you in the fact that i would love to see a hawkeye on the ground uh you know street level hero procedural fair yeah give us that like this this uh i i saw someone say that like it's better that they made eternals a movie that had beautiful cinematography and the budget of a movie instead of a d plus series but i don't agree that that it would have been a d plus series i think if they if these characters have had would have had the space to grow and these story beats would have had more space to breathe and become their own sort of interesting things 
I think that would have been a far more interesting application of this than a movie. Fair. Yep. So that's our opinion over the Eternals. It, uh, you know, I, part of me was retroactively upset with you for thinking that I would like this in the first place. Well, after what you said about the Matrix, everything is unknown. I, I, don't, I mean, I should have known that this one was like, I knew this one by, you know, heart, but. I mean, I think the Matrix is an interesting meta commentary on the, the the current day. I think the Eternals is this weird uh, outlier in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that that maybe should have been in a different format. I don't know. I, I, to me, they are very different experiences, but I, I get it. That being said, how dare you, sir? How dare you think? That my taste would be this bad. Because this is a terrible film. It's boring and bad to watch. I'm sad that I watched it. And uh, I I am... Uh, I'm in general trying to be more positive about things. And especially in terms of, of entertainment. But I, I don't know. I can't do it with this one. Yeah. I know. I I couldn't do it. And I paid to rent a whole fucking theater to watch <laughs> yeah, it. So there yeah, you go. You really, yeah, you, I mean, like, that just show, goes to show how kind of disappointing this movie is on its face, right? Be- is because you had the reason, right? If you didn't even like it a little bit, you paid to rent an entire theater just to see it. There, The investment from your end is way higher. I just saw it when it came on Disney Plus eventually. And even then I was like, Give me this. Can you calculate how much of your total subscription fee two hours, two and a half hours is? And please refund me for this amount. <laughs> <laughs> Still not enough. Still not enough. Yeah, I, 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 uh, there's some sort of settlement that I deserve for watching this movie. But uh, yeah, interesting ideas, uh, interesting, in, interesting concepts. It deserved more room. It deserved a TV show or several movies to address these. But uh, I don't know. I say that, but I'm like, would I watch a TV show that was like this? No. <laughs> I mean, I would. I would watch it for the to talk about it on this podcast. I would watch it because maybe I didn't have any, anything else to watch. But I don't know if I would keep tuning in. I don't know. I don't know. It, but it needed more. It needed something. I agree. I agree. Yep. So, yeah. I'm going to be honest. This is the most I've ever thought about this movie outside of watching it. Yep. And that's, Um, that's all you need to know, right? Is that you, this is the, this is the most you've actually invested in, in thinking and talking about this outside of seeing it. And you emotionally and monetarily invested in it more than any of us. Yeah, well, you know, that's why I'm the I'm the pop saga shepherd yeah. or sherpa in this case. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, trying to find the right holds and the right paths for us to be able to navigate pop culture together. And then I found this body of an eternal <laughs> on a mountainside. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's it. I think it's all we have to say about the Eternals, and I think that's going to do it for us for this week. What would, what would you say? What would you say to that? Yes. <laughs> that's that's uh, three hours of talking about the Eternals. Uh, this is the most I think time we have spent talking about anything since the like first episode. Yes, it is. <laughs> I have no idea how I'm going to cut this down. Yeah, I think this might be just a long one. Anyway, that's it. That's we didn't like the Eternals. If you did, I mean, I don't know. Write us. Engage with the community. This episode is longer than the Eternals, <laughs> but I still find more enjoyable than the Eternals. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it? That's the thing. Is that sometimes it's fun to talk about stuff that that sort of confounds you. Um, I think if you've listened to this show for a long time, you know we have kind of a hard time talking about stuff that is good. Uh, because it's just like, hey, this is great. What, what else are you going to say? But sometimes it's fun to dissect stuff that just confounds you in this way. And that's what that's where we went with uh, Eternals. But, uh, but we've said our piece, and we've said all that we have to say about it. And so uh, I think that leads us to our, you know, everyone's favorite time uh, of uh, Pop Saga, which is the Acknowledgements. First up, as always, we have to thank Burton M6 for our incredible theme song. Every time it comes on, I do a little dance, and uh, it is a dance that is not worthy of uh, the, the, how good our theme song is, but it's a dance I do. Uh, when, and of course, uh, if you would like to support us, maybe you don't tune in just for the theme song. And if you did tune in just for the theme song, I wouldn't blame you. But uh, maybe you like us, and maybe you uh, want to support the ongoing production of this podcast. You know, we do this on, at a loss for you, because not only do we like doing it, it's something that we like doing together, but uh, we do it for all of you out there who tune in. And so if you'd like to support us, you can, the first and most important thing that you can do is a tell a friend. Spread the word. The more people that listen to this, the more likely we are able to get advertising partners and stuff that will help us support us in doing the production of this uh, the podcast. Um, if you're saying, you know what, I don't want to talk to people, I don't blame you. I don't talk to people all that much either. Well, in that case, then you can go to our merch store. And you can buy merch directly from us. And that, that money goes directly to us and supports the ongoing production of this podcast. The link is in our show notes as well. And, as always, at the end of the podcast, we uh, like to impart to you that we hope, however you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, that we, that you, not we, because <laughs> we are not happy and healthy, but we hope that you far from that <laughs> <laughs> we hope that wherever you are, however you are listening to us, that you are feeling happy and that you are feeling healthy. And of course, as always, we'll see you next week. Remember, folks, bang bang niner gang. <laughs> I'm not talking about the Eternals again. There you go. Not a, not even a flashback. <laughs> Nothing. 
saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty live, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we gotcha. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.